Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you, as has been all season, by Cheez-It and Pringles. Hey, Hoops fans, do you want to play in a basketball game with some of today's biggest stars with Charles Barkley or Shaq as your coach? Pringles and Cheez-It are bringing you that chance with the Celebrity Crunch Classic, all for the win sweepstakes. All you have to do is go vote for Team Cheez-It or Pringles at CelebrityCrunchClassic.com slash OSP. Visit the site for more details. Pringles versus Cheez-It. Pick a side, stock up, and go for the win. No purchase necessary. We are also brought to you by ourselves and the party that we are throwing for ourselves mm. in Minneapolis this Sunday. A week Getting a lot of texts about Sneaky Pete's. Yeah. A lot of questions. <laughs> uh, I did not know what Sneaky Pete's was. Here's what Sneaky Pete's is to us, Tate. They are the one bar that stepped up and said, we will host your party. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was excited about that. And then we said last pod that we're hosting a party at Sneaky Pete's on Sunday night, 9 p.m., downtown Minneapolis. Uh, and the people have said... I've got a few, like, I promised I would never go back to Sneaky Pete's, but I'll go back there for you. I have no idea what the hell this place is, but I'm excited to find out. I've heard that there are stripper poles. That's all we know. I don't, I don't know if it is a strip joint, but I think that, I heard that th- there's an option. Yeah. Kyle's so sad he's not oh, going. Man. Yeah, I'm sorry, Kyle. I see some three-star ratings. I see some four-star ratings. So okay. should be all right. Uh, yeah, so we are, we are doing a party. Uh, if you're going to the Final Four, if you're one of the fans of the teams that uh, is there, or you're just a fan of college basketball and you go to the Final Four, you're one of those guys that wants to be like 85 years old and be like, I've been to every Final Four the last 63 years, me and my cousin. Get your Super Bowl yeah. commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're one of those people. We'll be there. That's where we'll be Sunday night. Come say hello. We'll also be walking around uh, in tuxedos throughout the entire weekend. So if you don't see us there, maybe you'll see us somewhere else. In the words of Charles Barkley, he said this, uh, when Auburn was going to go to the first Final Four, he, he was setting it up and say, I never thought I'd say this, but, you know, and you would expect him to say Auburn's going to the Final Four. Mm. He said, I'm excited to go to Minneapolis. Oh. <laughs> you feel the same <laughs> way. And I feel the same way, Charles. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, also, one more time, I'm going to plug up my foundation. I started Club Trillion Foundation uh, for walk-ons. We're starting a scholarship for walk-on basketball players. Um, so go to clubtrillionfoundation.org. Uh, throw us, throw us a. You got an org? Yeah, we got an we got an Ooh. org. Yeah, throw us a little, uh, just a little bit. Skim some off the top. Toss it our way if you if you have some. Uh, just one. We'll take whatever you got. Um, a trillion day of giving. Right. We, we should do we should do a day giving on the podcast for. I think we'll we'll talk about this. Uh, take the final four is set. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not the final four, I think, a lot of people expected. But there are four teams. We expected that much, and there are four teams. Uh, that was one of the greatest Elite Eight rounds I've ever seen in my life. It was back-to-back days of great basketball, back yeah. and forth, overtimes, big moments, big shots, big free throws, big misses. Buzzer beaters. It was. It had it all. It was uh, The one that everyone brings up is 2005 as like the greatest of all time. And now, so the, the question that we're That's sitting down— That's the Arizona-Illinois game. Yeah, that everyone we're, we're sitting yeah. down right now. We are recording this right after Duke lost. Uh, I had Tate was running around like a maniac. I had to grab him and say, Tate, we have a pod to do. Um, in my mind. My yeah. back is not doing great right now. <laughs> uh, but in my head, I was running circles around. Um. Um, we recorded this right after the podcast, so I'm, the, the debate's going to be, is, was 2005 better than this? Uh, I'm just going to say this was better because this is the one we're talking about, and it makes it easier. I don't want to be the guy that's like, actually, hold on, everyone, don't be that excited. This is only the third best that we've ever had. And I'll pe- just say it's the best. The people love history, so we right. get Auburn, Texas Tech, first-timers. We get Virginia, Tony Bennett, first-timers. So, the first-timers club. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to talk about all these great Elite Eight games. We're going to talk about the Final Four. What it, if I told you the Final Four became the first four? Ooh. Interesting. I'd say I'm not going to Dayton. We are going to talk about everything that has happened and everything that might happen in Minneapolis. But first, Coach K. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. All 
All right, Tate, we have a ton to get to. Uh, as we said, these were the four four of the greatest Elite Eight games I've ever seen in my life. Um, I think the people expect us to start with the Duke game. It's the, it's the one that was played last. It's fresh on all our minds. Defy the odds. Zion Williamson, his career is probably over. He's not made a decision yet. Uh, we still have to respect, give him the space and privacy. And the words and, of Coach K, respect the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Respect the moment. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I think most people are expecting us especially with you being a Carolina fan, the Tar Heels lose, you're, you're down, you're a little sad, Duke keeps pulling out these wins, uh, and then now Duke lost. They expect us to start with that game. We are going to honor basketball. Mm-hmm. We are going to honor the, the game, because that's the most important thing to us, is always the game. Um, and we are going to honor the game by talking about the game that was the game of the weekend, Virginia and Purdue. I want to start with that one. Uh, one of the greatest college basketball games I've this ever seen. This has nothing to do with your Indiana bias at all. No. This has nothing to do with the fact that Ryan Klein and Kyle Guy were matched up and you were going crazy watching these two guys. Oh my they God. knew each other's moves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're trying to get each other's heads. Well, we were talking, we're, we're in the bar talking about it. Ryan Klein is older than Kyle Guy. Um, and we were trying to decide how much that matters. Kyle Guy's a better player, but Ryan Klein's older. And we were just kind of reminiscing on like how, like if you took me back to, to, to Brownsburg, Indiana to play pickup basketball with the guys who were, you know, when I was in eighth grade, they were like seniors or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would play with them. I would I would be shitting my pants because I'd be like, oh my god, those were the guys that were so so good when I was growing up. Um, and we were, we were talking about is that going to 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 be a factor? Is like Ryan Klein going to get in Kyle Guy's head and be like, hey, remember in seventh grade when you were in sixth grade and I punked you, bitch? Mm-hmm. And uh, if there's going to be that sort of talk, but there was not. Kyle Guy played a phenomenal game. And leading into the game, Kyle Guy had said at a press conference, I think he said he had crossed up Ryan Klein before. Ryan mm-hmm. Klein was then asked about it, said. Never heard of her. Never, yeah, ne- yeah, don't what? remember that. Who? What are you talking Who? about? Who's yeah. Kyle Guy? In the what we were talking about, the mental gymnastics of that is like if someone's older than you, then you have that, you know, it's like that little brother complex going yes. into it. And Ryan Klein was, you know, kind of feeding into that at first, but what we were talking about as well is Kyle Guy is better now. Yeah. So from Ryan Klein's perspective, you're like, look at this. It's, little it's guy. like how when I go back to Ohio State, uh, all the guys I played basketball with still treat me like a second class citizen because I sucked and I was a walk on. You know, it's like that dynamic never leaves you where you're you were in you were in this order the pe- uh, the totem pole, the pecking order, um, and you will always be there in people's minds. Uh, anyway, we are not talking about the one guy who uh, stole the show, Carson Edwards. We should probably um, focus most of our discussion on this because uh, part of the reason this, this being one of the greatest games I've ever seen, not just that it was an awesome finish, not that it was just a close game. It was just once sh- the, the stakes, first of all, of both of these programs have not been in my lifetime, uh, and I have gray hair in my beard, so that's been a while. Neither of these teams have been to a Final Four. Um, neither, neither coach had ever been to a Final Four. The the stakes were high, obviously, but on top of all of that, the the it was back and forth. But it was back and forth in the most absurd way I've ever seen. We were, we were watching this at a bar in California. We we somehow found like a Purdue bar. I don't mm-hmm. know how this happened. We just stumbled upon it, and we were there watching, and felt like half the bar like went to Purdue. And every time Carson Edwards shot. The, shot the ball. It, it was like everyone was having an orgasm. It was incredible. Like before the ball even went in, it was like the Randy Marsh picture. Mm-hmm. It's basically what this bar was. As soon as he's firing it from the logo, everyone's just like, and these were like noises being made in the bar. I'm like, my God. Go to California way. Right. Find the But it was deserving. Like they weren't, they weren't overreacting. It was, I've never, ever seen anything like this. That, that is one thing I'm going to do a lot of recency bias because I'm just so fired up. We finally got the tournament we were hoping for, uh, in this round. But that is one thing I don't even think I need to worry about is, am I doing recency bias with that? Because I legitimately was the most insane tournament 
display I've ever seen, including Kimba, including Steph Curry. I was going to say the exciting part going into this game is you're, you're worried that Virginia and Purdue are both, they're playing tight because they're worried about getting over the hump. So they, you know, have a game where it's like the Oregon game where they can't buy a bucket. But yeah. it doesn't seem like a team's going to win, but they're not going to win because they can't they can't buy a bucket. It's 52-49 forever. Right. And this game, it felt going into it, it might be like that, where it was kind of a struggle. Maybe people were cold, people were tight. And instead, Carson, Carson Edwards is basically unconscious the entire game. Uh, I think he had 42 of the 75 points. That's insane. That's I don't literally know how they, insane. I don't know how he was just scored. pulling up from 30 feet, and it was a great shot. I mean, if he didn't shoot, it was bad. You know, like Matt Painter's looking at the team's like, pass it to him right yeah. there. That's the guy, Carson. Please. Well, it, he was following my 40 percent rule. If you ever shoot better than 40 percent uh, from three, you weren't shooting enough. You got to keep jacking him until you get back down to 40 percent. That's what I say. Um, the motion offense versus the pack line defense, contrasting styles. It was it good was, for basketball. This is good for college. It basketball. was everything. It was mm-hmm. it was it was good for everybody but fans of the Indiana Hoosiers who had to watch an Indiana Mister Basketball. We were uh, talking about that guy going up against the Purdue Boilermakers. If and, Purdue were able to pull this off, we said that there would be an emergency press conference. Bob Knight would be welcomed back to yeah, the Indiana right. family. Archie was going to get fired. Archie's for getting fired. Yeah. <laughs> They're putting it out there. They're but going after Coach Cal. It wasn't just that they were. It was uh, you know Kyle Guy, Indiana Mister Basketball. His grandparents had season tickets to IU, did not get along with Tom Crean, so went to Virginia. Um, and then Purdue, obviously, Indiana's rival. It wasn't just that. It was that this game took the form of Indiana basketball. This is what, like, when, when people want to explain why Indiana basketball is different, people like me, they're like, it, it's just a different. In 49 states, it's basketball, but it's just different in Indiana. They want to take this game and just show it and be like, this is what every single Hoosier thinks that every Indiana high school basketball game looks like. It's mm-hmm. just guys curling off screens, hitting threes, um, and just back and forth like that. Uh, and and the Hoosiers were not involved. It had nothing to do with IU. And IU is like searching for an identity. They've now... Uh, Purdue fans are loving this, by the way, that I'm talking about IU <laughs> when they didn't make the tournament. But this is so Purdue has been to Elite Eight more recently than IU. Uh, uh, Butler has been to two. Notre Dame has been to two. And um, anyway, so tough times for the Hoosiers. Very tough times for the Hoosiers. <laughs> I don't know how we. I don't know how we get out of there. But I will say, for Purdue's perspective on this, Carson Edwards historically great performance mm-hmm. in the four games. He breaks Glenn Rice's record: 28 threes when he hit the bank in three to make it 69-67 to win the race mm-hmm. of 69. It looked like that was the one I thought. Like, all all does, signs yeah, point yeah. to everything's going their way. It's going to work. It's like uh, in the Texas Tech game when the three, when it, or no, the Auburn game, when he takes the three in the corner and it bounces up and it yeah, comes down and goes yeah. in. You kind of like that's the that is the moment where things are going to bounce your way. Things are going right. Carson Edwards also most outstanding player, first time for the losing guy, mm-hmm. the losing team to be most outstanding player since Steph Curry, and he bested Steph Curry. He broke his record for the most points in this four game run that he's had. Uh, 10 three-pointers in this game. Most threes in NCAA tournament history by one player, and he did it in four games. And Glenn Rice had the record, and he six. did it in six. It's incredible, dude. This game was, oh my God. Can we, can we talk about Diakite's shot? Can we talk about Kia Clark? Um, first of all, I thought Clark did a great job on Carson Edwards. That was what's so insane about it. It's like Virginia, I, I, I was proud of Virginia because I felt like Virginia never panicked. And last year against UMBC, they panicked. Mm-hmm. They panicked in a big way, and that just made the snowball get worse and worse because UMBC was hitting shots, and Virginia was like, fuck, are we about to lose the 16th seed? And Jerry Siles was like, yes, you are. Um, and they started pre- – they, they, their defense was just stretched out, and they had no idea what the hell they were doing. And in this game, it felt like Tony Bennett, like every time out, was just saying, he's going to miss, guys. Mm-hmm. Just trust me. Eventually, he's going, he's going, eventually to, he's going yes. to miss. Just stick with what we're doing. He's going to miss. And then the next time out would come, he's like, I promise he's going to miss. And it just like never really happened. Um, but but they like stuck with it and they were rewarded for it. And I'm very excited about this as someone who's been riding the Virginia bandwagon for what, five, six years now and just getting the shit kicked out of me every single March. 
At long last, we did it. Play God's playing, Kyle. Yeah. Do no, don't do that. That's gonna cost us a lot of money. We, we don't want to. We don't want to get sued by Drake. Uh, let's get someone to parody sing it. <laughs> the Pods plan. Uh, he hits the three. Can we just go through the sequence at the end of this game? Because yeah, please. It's honestly, insane. So he hits the three. It's sixty nine, sixty seven. We go back down. Kyle guy tries to save the ball out of bounds. Foots on the line, and mm-hmm. that seems like one of those moments where you're like, "Oh my God, game of inches." That's going to be the costly turnover. Ryan Clark. A lot, of, a lot of foot on the line in this tournament the last few, you know? A, yeah. lot, a lot of plays where it's like you're zooming in. and Was he on the line? Was he not? Yeah. Just just an observation. Yeah, it's turning into the <laughs> NFL where we're going to do yeah. replay reviews for every little thing. Uh, saves, doesn't save the ball there. They go down. Ryan Klein makes the first, misses the second. We got mm-hmm. 70-67. And then our boy, tie ball game. Ty Jerome comes down. And this is what R.J. Barrett wasn't able to do. Ty Jerome makes the first one swish. Misses the second one. Purposely, beautifully, Diakite taps it out as, as all the way down to the other side of the court. Clark goes down, grabs it. And this, to me, I mean, I, I can't think of a pass. I mean, everyone's talking Play about the, the shot. Game. The pass that Clark makes and also the fact that Tony Bennett had a, This was one of those moments where Tony Bennett is going to be roasted, to say the least. If they don't call a timeout there mm-hmm. and Diakite doesn't get a shot off. Right. And they just throw it away and it's a turnover. And now we have Purdue celebrating and Gene Cady's going crazy. Mm-hmm. And that, that was what the moment was leading to. And this is why, I mean, you talk about revenge, fate, destiny, whatever it is. Clark makes an absolute perfect, I mean, For- line drive, perfect pass to Diakite and in motion floats it up. Boom. Floater at the buzzer. To I'll win, apparently. That was the best. Oh, that, the, that was the call. Said, yeah, and that, to win. To win. Yeah. Okay, we got to go over time. Well, uh, they probably thought it was to win because um, their it mind— It felt so for real. I mean, well, well surreal, for real, sur- whatever. It felt like, well, Clark's pass was not only great, like the pass that he made, that it was just a crisp, like he saw, you know— It's a baseball pass. I it's mean, the it was fact— Coming out of right field, throwing someone out at home. It's the fact that he threw it that's so impressive to me. How many How many people in that situation would even have the wherewithal to realize you have presence time? Presence of mind. Yeah, the mm-hmm. presence of mind. There mm-hmm. we go. And not just throw up like a half quarter or like just, you know— Throw like most guys would throw up a half quarter with like two and a half seconds. Yeah, the Gordon Hayward heave. Yeah, that's the best case scenario in that situation. And this kid is a freshman. Yeah, he grabs the ball, one hand throws it a deep. I I just can't believe Tony Bennett in that moment says to himself, "I I guess they can drop their defense. We're inbounding. We're going to get a shot. Might as well just go for it." Clark makes the pass. Well, I think it was partially too. Like they Virginia got exactly what they wanted out of um, Purdue fouled up three. We should mention that mm-hmm. that the, the the strategy is always if you're up three, time's running out. Yeah, foul seventy sixty seven. Yeah. Klein misses. They foul. what could possibly? What's the worst that could possibly happen if you foul up three? Uh, and Tony Bennett, I think he was probably thinking like we got what we want here, or maybe he wasn't thinking. I, we we always like plug in what these coaches were thinking. Like it happens in a f- snap second. Like how many guys are just like sitting there, just like if it was K, he's just like staring off in the dizzy, like what the fuck happened? What happened? Mm-hmm. What, you know, it happens so fast that he probably has no clue what's actually happening. Maybe that was what was going on with Tony Bennett. It was just, he froze and had no clue. Or do, um, or do you think it's one of those things where I, I thought, I mean, uh, going back to the Archie Diakono play, the fact that Villanova had drawn that play up in practice and ran it so many times throughout the year, and then it comes Oh, you think to, they drew this play up? Well, I'm just I saying, don't think I, they drew I, the play up. I think it was that Bennett knew, all right, here's what we're trying to do. We're going to miss the free well, throw. Well, you can't drop the, the yeah, pass you didn't or draw anything, that up. I'm, I'm saying the play, how many times in practice has Ty Jerome been at the free throw line in a situation setting and where they're like, yeah, back. you got to tap it out. Yeah. So I think they had that. He was like, we got what we want. Let's mm-hmm. just, we got to go with it. Like, what is calling timeout? How is that going to help? It's going to let them set the defense, all that stuff. Yeah, so I think that was probably what he was thinking. Or or maybe he just wasn't thinking anything at all. He was just like <laughs> sitting there just, God, I hope this works. <laughs> He's like, game winner. Oh, no, we got to go over time. Uh, I want to say this. Matt Harms versus Diakite. The greatest blonde on blonde mm-hmm, matchup. The we've blonde seen matchup. Yeah, yep. the blonde matchup was great. And the shot and they that were Diakite hits right over Harms. And then each, each team also put out uh, four non-blondes with them. Get it? <laughs> 
Hit it the the band the okay. Uh, that's a reference that uh, you guys Damn, are too young. Sorry, dude. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that was for the Virginia fans from the '80s, yeah, right there. Yeah, they're, they're they, loving that. They, yeah, those are the Ralph Sampson fans. Yeah, no one tweeted me that you understand that reference. You show your age. The millennials are going to roast you for. <laughs> the millennials are, are what we are. Millennials. How you Am doing, fellow kids? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing the Simmons thing, right? I say anyone <laughs> younger than me is a millennial. When I think I am a millennial myself. Um, Anyway, DeAndre Hunter. Okay. We got to have an uncomfortable conversation about him. Well, it was... So, Clark, you were saying he's doing a great job on Edwards. We're watching this mm-hmm. game the whole time. Edwards is probably... That's the only person on the floor that's a good matchup for him to get these shots off. Even though Clark is all over him, he's, you know, being a pest, falling around everywhere. Mm-hmm. Clark or Carson Edwards, every time he goes up, still shooting over Clark. So, you're saying to me, you're like, why don't we just put Hunter on him? But Hunter's exactly. in a funk. Yeah, Hunter was on him for a little while. It wasn't working. And Clark was, like, kind of working, but it also wasn't working in a different way. Um... I wanted Hunter to stay on Carson because I just wanted to get him going in some capacity. He he didn't have it defensively. He didn't have it offensively. It was a very bizarre game, and um, I don't know. But it's it's kind of a reminder. Like we talk about some, uh, we, we talk about this a lot that that they are college basketball players, and you never know what's going on with these guys. That you never know if DeAndre Hunter got dumped that morning, or his <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or like his his brother broke his leg on the tire swing at recess, and there would, I don't even know if he has a brother that would be at recess. But you know, say is that like, like a personal? These are, uh, these are right? all uh, these things like affect these guys more than uh, than than they do the pro players. So you never know what the hell's going on and why guys suddenly are just completely disappear. Or maybe he just sucked. Maybe it was just like he just remember didn't have these are all student the athletes. They are student athletes. Students I, first. One little sidebar here. Do you think it's weird when they're doing the press conferences and they're like, "Any questions for the?" student athletes and then they ask the questions and then as soon as they get done with the questions they go you're dismissed as if like they're in class <laughs> <laughs> like it literally is treated like that like Zion Williams like thank you teacher thank you. I'm yeah. finally glad to be out of home room now yeah. <laughs> can hang out in the hallway for a little the while the bell starts ringing yeah I got seven Bing! minutes seven minutes of fun uh, I wanted to when did you think so we go to overtime obviously this all happens they hit the shot it's tough Virginia I almost felt like they celebrated Mm-hmm. Like they had hit the shot to win the game. Yeah. I mean, and that's always a weird moment too, where it's like, okay, now we have to lock back in and go to overtime. I thought that was going to favor Purdue. And they came out in overtime to get the first bucket. They get up, it's like 72 to 70, a little bit of momentum on their side. And then again, a man by the name, Ty Jerome, splits a double team, throws a nice little floater, floater off the back. Uh, Ty's just came up. And then from there, it just felt like Virginia kind of got the reins back. And that was the difference, I think, the year before where we, we said going into this game, we wanted Edwards versus Kyle Guy. Edwards versus Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy was what we got, which was perfect. Mm. And Virginia needed someone to kind of set the tone to say, like, you know, what you need in the tournament. A guard that can get a bucket when you need a bucket. Jerome was able to do that. Carson was doing that the entire game, too. I mean, almost an obnoxious level at one point. Because yeah. it, it's like, can someone else help this man? I mean, it, it is a singular effort at this point. Uh, this had to be the way that Virginia got to the Final Four with Tony Bennett. It was always going to be uh, this way where... Uh, they they started out they they had a close game with the 16 seed they're, they're not close it was they're down at halftime people yeah, are tweeting a tough first a half. tough first half whatever demons are back the demons are coming back um they have that then they play Oklahoma don't play particularly well in that game beat Oregon but don't play particularly well in that game going into the Purdue thing they needed a miracle at the end they have a guy like all signs are saying Purdue's going to win this every every step of the way it was like I mean, Virginia's outplaying Purdue, but Purdue it still feels like Purdue's going to win this. They're playing in Louisville, by the way, which is a 20-minute drive from West Lafayette, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the, the whole crowd is full of Purdue fans. Uh, everything was going wrong for Virginia in that sense of like this whole tournament run, and it was like, oh my God, they're going to make it all the way to the lead eight only to lose to just the most insane shooting performance we've ever seen. 
and then they won. And that's like it it it, it was never going to happen like they they were never going to get over the hump by beating everybody by 17, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it had to it had to have happened this way. And it makes it all the sweeter. Virginia's in the final four, Tate. All the haters can suck it. I've been saying for seriously 6 years, next year's our year. Um but I am worried. I should mention this. It feels like Virginia is just happy to be here a little bit. Just in like the 24 <laughs> hours since they won. If you're following, if you're following how these guys are talking about it, what the Virginia fans are talking about, there's there's a little bit of happy. I'm to pretty be there. sure the whole Virginia basketball team was at the baseball game today, like chugging Bud Lights, yeah, right, uh, right, you know, like throwing the regional trophy around, like yeah. swinging the towel, like playing <laughs> Petey Pablo. There's a, there's a chance, there's a non-zero chance that Virginia will forget to go to Minnesota. I'll just put it that way. That they'll be just partying in Charlottesville right now. It's kind of like, like, it's, it's like it's a tie ball game. You know, they're acting yeah. like they already won. We got to go to overtime. We got to go to the final four. We got to go to Minneapolis. We got to see what's going to go on. I will point out DeAndre Hunter, too. We were kind of ragging on him there for a second. In overtime, Carson Edwards, by the way, I felt like after we went to overtime, it's been discussed as if Virginia just kind of, you know, ran away with it in overtime. Sort of what Auburn did to Kentucky. But Carson Edwards, 42 seconds left, drives in the lane, hits a floater. They're up one. And it's a situation where, okay, I mean, Purdue's going to do it. It's going to happen. Yeah. DeAndre Hunter comes down and has, like, the, the bucket to sort of say, Okay. Yeah. We're we're okay. DeAndre Hunter's gonna be all right. And he gets the lead. Kyle Guy hits the free throws at the end to seal it. It's poetic. It's great. It's very, very good. Uh and and what's crazy is I still don't think Virginia's played that well. They played better in Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um I it got to the point where Purdue fans aren't gonna believe me when I say this, but uh I genuinely didn't really care who was going to win. Cause like as Carson was going nuts, I was like, man, he does not deserve to lose. But then Virginia was playing really, really well. Virginia outplayed Purdue this entire game. Um, and they didn't deserve to lose either. It was it was one of those situations. So I really didn't carry one. And then I thought about it more, and I was like, Virginia fans are going to be on suicide watch if they if they lose in the Elite Eight again. And Purdue fans, let's be honest, they they were a little happy to be here a little bit. They were just kind of they, they can't believe that this team made it to the Elite Eight. And it was so at that point, I was like, all right, we we definitely need Virginia to win because I don't know what's going to happen to Virginia fans if they make it. They fall short of the Final Four again, and it's not even their fault because they they outplayed Purdue the entire game. Mm-hmm. I don't even think Carson. Here's here's the 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 hottest take you'll ever hear. I don't even think Carson Edwards even played that well. I think he was just making everything, which is a distinction that probably doesn't even need to be made. And I probably shouldn't have even said that. But <laughs> let's he, call it the Jimmer difference. Yeah, it's, like, now that you're playing great, it's just man, this guy just, just like, keeps pulling like, up and it's going yeah, in. Like all he did was just pull up from like 40 feet and make it. That's good. That's obviously good. I'm just saying that it wasn't but, like it was wild how it just kept happening. But I will say it felt within the flow of the game. Yes, at least. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's, it felt like salvation almost where it was almost with Napier and 14. It was the same thing where it's like, you got to make this shot yeah. or we have no offense. What I meant by he didn't play well is I meant that like there was never a point where you felt like uh, uh, the, the Virginia defenders, he was making them look like idiots. Mm. You know, it was never like, God damn, he's so much better than the Virginia defenders. It was like Virginia was playing great defense. The dude was just hitting the most absurd shots that no one could possibly guard. 34.8 points per game. Most since any player since 1990. That's wild. And also the most since Jimmer Fredette. The only guy to average 30 points per game since Jimmer Fredette in 2011. So, I mean, that's pretty much what it was. a singular effort from Carson Edwards, which is why at the end of the game, when they have a chance, possibly, I mean, they're down three, 78, 75. I look at you and I'm like, Carson Edwards is going to dribble down and just spray it from half court and we're going to go double overtime. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he has a turnover at the end, but you, I mean, yeah. you can't, at least it was him, you know, of all people to turn the yeah. ball over. There's no one else on the team that's like, hey, man, way to blow it. You yeah, know? right, right. <laughs> like, if it's Grady Eifert, he throws <laughs> yeah. it out. Like, Purdue fans want his head on a stick. Yeah, if yeah. Matt Harms, like, dribbles it off his knee or yeah. something like that, it's a big thing. And he's yeah. the, the, you know, the person that everyone points to. 
Uh, but Carson Edwards doing it, it just felt it, it sucked. But it also, this guy had done everything. Yeah, man, what a game! That that seriously, we, we should do a um, they're, they're, the we're doing the rewatchables uh at the ringer here with the uh, uh sports games. Yeah, yeah. And Bill told us we got to pick games. I really just want to pick that one. That was an incredible game. That was uh. I don't know. I'm gonna remember that for a very long time. And Ty Jerome, you you brought him up a couple times, but I feel like he got lost in the fray, at least in my mind, because I was just watching the guys bomb the threes. And he, all he was I was watching was threes, Ty Jerome versus No Gel at Eastern. I mean, it was basically those two guys back and forth. He that was, was my Matt, that was my Ryan Klein Cow guy. Yeah, right. I was just watching Klein. Klein was great too. Like mm-hmm. Klein started out hot, and then Carson. It really did become a singular effort. It was incredible. Carson just. You knew he was shooting. He knew he was sh- everyone in the building knew they were shooting. And Tony was just like, he's going to start missing guys. And he just never did. What do you um, think the odds were going into this tournament that the only one seed, if you were to ask someone, just a, a casual college basketball fan, if you said only one one seed will make it to the final four, I think J- Virginia is the fourth team that people would pick. To oh, be the for one sure. Team. For sure. For sure. So I think that's, po- you know, I think that's yeah. nice that Virginia has basically overcome what is expected of them in the sense that this game was supposed to be boring. Mm-hmm. It was electric. It was awesome. It was great. It was college basketball at its finest. And then they go to the Final Four. They're the, they're the only one seed that's there. They're the favorite probably now, I would I would think. They should be the favorite, yeah. Maybe Michigan State will be, but we'll see. But that's also, it may be better for them not to be the favorite. I mean, Texas Tech has been playing insane basketball as well. I mean, all these teams are great. I, I would say Auburn's definitely the least um, favored and just in terms of Okiki being out and... Um, yeah, they were like a two-man show today, but uh, Auburn's obviously good. I think Auburn can win it. We'll talk about them in a second. Um, do you see Tony Bennett cutting down the nets, like the the just the primal scream, just the uh, jubilation, jubilations, the magnificence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, I don't know. I I I'm I'm just so happy, Tate. They did it. I, I don't I don't think you understand what it's like to put your neck out for for a program that you know. I don't know anybody in this program. I don't I don't really care. I, there's no one in my family that went to Virginia, or I have no reason to care about Virginia. And then I was just watching them like five or six years ago, and I was like, I like this defense. I like this team. And then I'm, I think I'm going to trust this team in March. And then they fucked up. And I was like, that's okay. That was, just a, that was just a blip. And then they fucked up again. And then they fucked up again. And then I became kind of – I had to just start defending my integrity. Mm-hmm. My what, what do I know about basketball? My, my credentials, my basketball credentials. And it's been a rough go for guys like me who – at least if you're like a Virginia fan, you're like, fuck it, I'm going down with the ship. And mm-hmm. I had to weigh the decision, Tate. Do I stay on the ship? Do I go down? Do I, do I jump off? You got now? off the what? bus. You got off the bus. I got bus, off the must bus, But see? you stayed on the ship. I stayed on the ship. I said, I'm going down with Virginia. This is like Jamestown 1607 all over uh-huh. again. You're taking a ride to a new what if place. Tony Bennett says yes? What if Tony Bennett says yes to UCLA between now and the Final Four because he thought the season's over because Virginia's celebrating so much. And then he's like, all right, I brought you guys what you wanted. I'm out. And then he takes the UCLA job. And then they're like, fuck, we still have to play games. And that becomes and the Virginia thing where every single time before they're about to play in a tournament game, like Virginia Tech, it got leaked that Buzz Williams got offered the Texas A&M job. Oh, yeah, was yeah. highly considering it right before they tipped off that right. game. Hmm. We don't want that. Come on, Tony. Um. All right. Congratulations to Virginia. Uh, I am I am saying it right now. If Virginia wins the national title, I will be in Charlottesville celebrating, whatever that looks like, unless it like happens right away. But in my mind, they're going to have like a celebration like two or three days later. And I'm flying there for that. I don't know what I plan on doing there, but um, basically just walking around and hoping people recognize me and give me free beer. That's pretty much it. That's the plan. It's the Jack Salt come, thing. Want to come, Kyle? Can Jack I? Salt. Can I? Yes, of course. <laughs> of course you can. Let's, All right. Let's get to it. This is the uh, this is the real game that uh, just happened. That th- this, is, this isn't the game of the tournament. Virginia-Purdue was the better game, but this is the storyline of the tournament that Zion Williamson is done. Duke is done. R.J. Barrett is done. Duke has now, in the last 15 years, Tate, here's a stat for you. 
The last 15 NCAA tournaments, Duke has made two Final Fours. Two Final Fours since 2004. Granted, they won the national championship. Both times Both they of those times. And that's why today was so important, because if Duke goes to Minneapolis... They're winning it. It's Definitely. Definitely. They're not going, though. They've, they've only made two Final Fours since 2004. That is one more than Loyola Chicago has made since 2004. <laughs> that's one more than George Mason has made since 2004. That is... That's fewer than UCLA in Florida, though. For real. Think yes. about that. Mm-hmm. So in the last 15 years, UCLA Shout has been out ben to, more, Allen. to more Final Fours. The Kevin than Love era. The Darren Collison era. Yeah. The now revisionist history uh, Russell Westbrook era. Butler's been to two Final Fours since 2004. Coach K on the hot seat. Go ahead. Uh, the floor is yours. Duke lost with the top three recruits in the country, with the the number one pick in the draft, with, the, with one of the best college basketball players of all time as their best player. And... Mike Krzyzewski, who is the greatest coach of all time, has one of the greatest players of all time on his roster, could not win the regular season ACC, could not win a trip to the Final Four. The floor is yours. It's a time where R.J. Barrett put it pretty perfectly and succinctly. He just said it's over. And that, I think, is so tough for Duke, Coach K. Objectively speaking about this game, I do feel for Duke in the sense that last year, that shot that Grayson Allen took, did every single thing but go in. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, it just felt like, wow, maybe that's a little bit of karma getting, getting back to Grayson at a certain level, but mm-hmm. also that's a tough loss mm-hmm. you know, for Duke to take, especially with that team with Bagley and all those guys. Take it to this year. Mm-hmm. Coach K ups the ante. He says, I'm not just going to get one five-star. That's had a, uh, I mean, you got Carter and Bagley, but that's two. I'm going to get three now, and I'm going to get mm-hmm. the best one of all, and I'm going to get... A, a, a guy that's going to transcend basketball, transcend the conversation the around of, basketball. In the midst of an FBI investigation into corruption and college basketball recruiting, I'm going to, to, to land the top three recruits in college basketball. We're going to monitor the situation, and yeah. I haven't heard about that. And <laughs> you just lost your press credential, you're out. Uh, that's all that is. But So Coach K, going, there's so much at stake for Duke in this game in the sense that so much investment. I mean, yeah. ESPN Plus, all the shows, you know, it's been Zion, oh, Zion, ESPN Zion. was all yes. in from the start. From the start. From they, the start. They, 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 yeah, the, the Canada tour, they earn everything. The Zion, every, all, you know, we, we were guilty of it too. I've talked about Zion. All, Zion was, was worth talking about for most of the season. The whole regular season was basically Zion um, in, in terms of like interest in college basketball. Uh, and, and it's not because the media only talked about Zion and that's the only reason people were interested in him. It's because the people, that's all anybody was interested in. We have, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how else to explain it to people. Like, I, I didn't want to talk about Zion. I kept waiting for other stuff to happen that was more interesting, and there just wasn't. He was one of the best players we've really honestly ever seen in the sport. The one knock that I had going into the fact, when Zion committed to Duke, the one thing that I was upset about as a basketball fan at large of Zion Williamson is he's not going to be able to be the one on a Duke team with so much talent. They're so they're so stacked. Right. He's not going to have to do everything, so we're not going to see the full range of skills that the guy has. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Zion had to do everything. I mean, that was the- no. He didn't have to do everything. Let's let's pump the brakes here. K, this is the worst coaching job K has ever done in his career. Uh, although is Duke a better team when they beat Kentucky than they were today? Yes. Yes. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. How do you get worse? Yes. How do you have a team of freshmen and get worse over the course of a season? It makes no damn sense. This is K's the, by far the worst coaching job he's ever done this season. But I would argue he probably didn't even do a coaching job. He probably he's he's entered the paterno phase of his career where he's just trying not to shit his pants on the sidelines. I mean, that's the I don't understand it. It, it was very very frustrating. And you're completely right. Zion Williamson had to do everything, quote unquote. But he didn't have to do everything. How did how do they not run any offense whatsoever? Zero offense. And even the defense. Everyone's saying like the. I mean, 
this is this should have been one of the great defensive Duke teams, and they were a very very good defensive team, but they weren't good because they 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 had good principles defensively. They literally switched every screen one through five, which is the laziest shit you could possibly do in basketball. It's just let's just switch. Let's not fight through screens. Let's not communicate. Let's not worry about matchups. Uh, they got away with it because they're athletic as hell and they're long and and they do have great individual defenders, but. There was nothing about this team. There was never a shred from from January on where you looked at Duke and you're like, man, that's a well coached team. If if it was if it was anyone else on the bench, everyone would be roasting the coach. And I'm sure people are roasting K anyway. But if it was you or I on the bench, I'd be fired immediately. They'd be like, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing out there. He's wasting all this talent. They're not running any plays. The defense, you're you're literally switching every screen. And I know that's kind of like, I know they have the personnel to do it. I know it worked a lot, but um. I don't know. Was there any evidence that Kay was coaching at any point this season whatsoever? He, he finally got in the huddle to drop a play at the end of the game there, which I liked. I mean, he was finally into it in some at some level. But what's the Achilles heel of Duke over the past, I would say, I mean, 2015 was the year that they had the guy on the inside, even though he's somehow a laughingstock in the NBA, which is a whole other conversation, but I'll leave it alone. Jalil Okafor, when they had a guy in the post, what I'm saying yeah. about Zion is, okay, we're asking Zion to go down on offense and we're going to throw him the ball in the post and say, you do everything. You're going to get the ball here, and you're going to go one-on-one with this guy and get a bucket. Yeah. So we got to do that. Also, when we're on defense, if someone gets by their man, if Trey Jones gets yeah. beat by Cassius Winston, you have to protect the rim. And I think when you look at that Duke team, and this is what it comes to making guys come a year early to Duke, which is a very Coach K thing that he's done for a while, so it's not a new thing. But when you make a guy like Marvin Bagley, or I don't want to say make, but when you get a guy like Marvin Bagley to reclass, right. and Wendell Carter comes in, and you may be expecting to stay an extra year, then you don't have the guy on the inside, and you're re- you're relying on a guy. But you know, Bolden. I don't think Bolden's a bad player by by any man. You know, he's he's fine, but he's not going to match up with Tillman and Ward right. and Goins. Like you can see the horses on one side with Michigan State, a team that's built to play different ways. Duke is playing one way, which is to be the best players on the floor and to out town and to out hustle and to do everything. That's what right. Zion has to do. All of that. He, he has does. to out hustle you. He has to outscore you. He has to block and, and cover for guys on defense. I mean, that is so much to put on one man's plate. And I kept waiting for some other, uh, like, let's draw something else up here. You know what I mean? But it is a one man show. And it came back to bite him in the end because I mean, Zion said after the game, he said they were doubling me in the post. And guess what? We have tape on you. You've yeah. been doing the same spin move since right. that first game against Kentucky. Tom Izzo's not an idiot. The scout team for Michigan State, they're not dumb. They know what you want. They know, and obviously you can get it because you're so great. You're so supremely talented. Mm -hmm. But it's exhausting when people know what you're going to do and you're still having to do it and carry it on your own. And on top of that. He's exhausted. They were so worn out. And that rotation is so short. And Michigan I mean, State has the horses, man. They could match. They matched up well with Zion. They got those. They got killed Ward him inside. And killed him inside. And, I mean, it, it goes back to college basketball at its root, and, and that's why I think it's so funny that Kay is playing a different game now because he's getting beat at a game that he used to win. You know exactly. what I mean? Like Tom Izzo is beating him inside. You know, getting getting easy buckets on offense, drawing up easy plays to make entry passes down to the post to get. You know, all right, let's settle down. Let's get a bucket. Let's get back on defense. Duke doesn't have that because. It's like RJ, go ISO. Zion, go ISO. Right. Trey Jones, hit this open three that we're going to give you every once every ten possessions. And and when when it's not Zion, go ISO. It's uh, let's let Reddish and Barrett shoot threes. Go ISO and shoot dumb shots. And then Zion, you get the offensive rebound and get the and one. Um, that that was their offense. That was. I'm not going to shed a tear for Duke. I I really wanted Duke to make the like it makes it makes the Final Four more interesting with Duke. Let's mm-hmm. just be honest. If mm-hmm. Duke's there, 
it's it's a better story. People are there's more excitement going into the final four. Not that Michigan State's a slouch of a team. I've I've loved Michigan State for most of the season. So uh I don't have a problem with Michigan State being there. But I think most casual fans, I mean, we we saw Bill as the game was going on. He was he was said, Is there any reason why I should watch the final four if Duke doesn't make it? Uh and I think that's the sentiment that's shared across the country with a lot of casual fans. So um in that regard, like it would be cool if Duke was in the final four and you know, they choke, they, 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 they lose in the national championship or something. And, and it's makes for riveting um, television, but I'm not going to shed a tear for this because they were not a good basketball team. They've not been a good basketball team for a while. They've just had an otherworldly player who's done everything for them. And, um, and they are not a good team whatsoever. And they, they got, they, they reap what they sow. That's, that's all I'll say about Duke. And they kept skating by, too. I mean, it felt like, obviously, you can't lose. I mean, you lose the UCF. It's over, obviously. But they, they kept winning these games playing this way, which is a very, yeah. let's, I mean, I, I was saying this as we were watching the game. The best offense that Duke had was, let's brick this shot so Zion can go up and get the rebound and put it back and hopefully get an AM one yeah. I mean, that, that was their three-point offense. It wasn't being able to make threes. It was Zion three-point mm-hmm. plays. Yeah. That is not something to rely on, especially when you, have, when you have 17 turnovers. 17 turnovers, you have to be... You know, Curry, Clay, Durant, all these other guys that have that many turnovers and still win a basketball game. And I, I just think Delorier played well. I mean, they had, I mean, he Delorier did got dunked on by everybody. Matt McQuaid <laughs> and Tillman. Tillman got him too. Um, I'll ask you another what if. If I had said to you, Matt McQuaid will make the two most athletic plays in the game <laughs> against Zion Williamson. I mean, what what were the odds on that? The dunk and the the spinner the, last. Can we talk about Michigan State? Now Michigan State fans are pulling their hair out. They're like, we get it. Get off of Duke. Can you talk about the team that actually won the damn game? Uh yes. Give respect to the moment. Yes, we can. Conversely, all the sh- all the stuff I said about Kay and this being the worst season, this has to be the worst season he's ever coached. They didn't win the regular season ACC. I I already can feel that the people tweeting at me, calm down with the hyperbole. You had the three best players. You might have the you you have three of the top four draft picks on one team and you can't make the final four get the hell out and your team got worse that's really what it was I'm not overreacting to one game it's the entire season of like you watch them against Kentucky you watch we watched them against Indiana and the the when Indiana was still a decent team and they just beat the brakes off Indiana um you you watch them in Maui I know they lost to Gonzaga but like just that that team up until basically Zion goes out um was better than the team is now. It's wild. So anyway, let's talk about Michigan State because can, uh, as everything I said about Kay applies to Izzo except, except the exact opposite. This is like, this coaching job from Tom Izzo is unbelievable. Is it official? Absolutely. Is he Mr. March He's again? Mr. March. He's got it back. This has been the, this is the best coach. Is I I I haven't closely it's followed Michigan State again. my whole life. He's back. Michigan State fans, feel free to disagree because you know your team better than I do. This is the, the, the number one coaching job I've ever seen from Tom Izzo and I'll tell you why, Tate. Not only do they not have a ton of talent, which is the point I've been making all season, uh, not to disparage these guys. They're, they're great college basketball players, but none of these guys are jumping off the page as NBA players. Cassius Winston, who knows? Aaron Henry is athletic enough. He might he might make a roster at some point. But like none of these guys are, are, are surefire lottery picks. And he, he, he beats Michigan three times. He wins the Big Ten regular season. He wins the Big Ten uh, tournament. All the uh, Josh Langford's out for the year. Nick Ward gets hurt every other, every other day. And then also... Just as who the hell knows what's going on with him half the time. Anyway, you want to talk about people knowing um, what you're going to Nick yeah. Ward has a broken left hand, and they still know he's going to use his left yeah. hand. Yeah, he's still his broken left hand still better than his right <laughs> hand. Uh, they have all this advert, everything going on with that, and not only does he win all these games, but just the way that he's constructed a Michigan State team that has the old school toughness of Michigan State. Like they they destroy everybody on the board. They have the horde. Like Michigan State's Duke has Zion. I still 
favored Michigan State's front court in this game because of just how physical they are and and they were never ever intimidated by Zion. It's never presence. it's not one body that's going up. I mean it, it, Tillman was on him. I mean there were just guys rotating on Zion and every single time you're asking a guy that is 6 foot 6 at best to go up against mm-hmm. real guys that are 4 and 5s who are just as big as he is as far as I mean they might not be a jeep but, the, but I mean but, right. I mean there's something they might They're, be a truck uh, I yeah, guess. Yeah, exactly. They're Dodge Ram. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Ford. Uh um but no, Izzo, Izzo builds the team with that identity, but he also does it where his best player and his point guard is, let's be honest, a guy who doesn't love defense. I wouldn't say it's tough um, in the sense that you think about it where he's like physically getting in people's shit type tough. Um, he's more of a finesse point guard, and I I'm, this is not disparaging Cassius Winston whatsoever. He's just like a, he, he, he's got a, a feel for the game. Just get, he, he, he belongs, the, the way I, I saw someone explain this on Twitter uh, when Michigan was playing Michigan State in the Big Ten title game, and I thought it was perfect. Is basically that like that that Cassius Winston is a beeline point guard. He should be playing for John Beeline's offense. Is how great John Beeline is historically at coaching offense. And Xavier Simpson should be playing for Tom Izzo because mm-hmm. he's just a hard nosed, tough defensive point guard. Um, but anyway, that, that's what I mean by Cassius Winston not being uh, not really fitting the vibe of this. But but Izzo found a way to make it work to take a point guard who wants to push tempo and play like more of a finesse basketball and spray the ball around and and go off ball screens and just control tempo with that. Um, use that, but then also take your horses down low and just beat the shit out of people and out-rebound people. Um, bring it together. You don't have the most talented team in the country, but they've won everything. It's incredible. And this goes back to coaching, too. So going into this game, you know that they have Cassius Winston, obviously. He is their best player. He's been carrying them all season. Kenny Smith at halftime, you compared him to Mark Jackson in the sense that you may, you may say he's not like traditionally tough, but he knows exactly what the right play is yeah. at every single moment. Right. I mean, he's he's thinking through the game as it's going on. Matt McQuaid might be running around unconscious and, yeah. and just doing things <laughs> as it's happening, flying all over the place. But Cassius Winston is thinking through the game. And the thing that Duke has done with Trey Jones pretty, pretty much exclusively all year is Coach K has said to Trey, you are going to be in that point guard's grill. You're going to rattle him. So therefore... He's thinking and worried about you being up in his grill, and he's not going to be thinking through the game, running running sets, getting everything set up for the team, because right. he's worried about this guy who's literally all up in his grill and doesn't leave him alone, yeah. which is the frustration of basketball. You understand that when someone's doing that. Even if you're playing at the YMCA and some guy's trying hard, you're like, calm down, dude. I mean, yeah. it's we're playing pickup. That's what Trey Jones is supposed to do. K goes in that game. He's running the same thing. He's like, all right, Trey, you're going to disrupt Cassius Winston. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's our plan. Cassius Winston is a vet. Cassius Winston has had plenty of guys. Xavier is a great example that have been in his grill that yep. have tried to do that. And guess what? Keep he dribbling. Yeah. Look for my guy. Throw a nice little alley. Hit a nice little shot here. I mean, in, in case of that after the game, I mean, he made the right play every single time. And that goes back to a college basketball veteran, a guy that's yep. been there, a guy that's been pressed, a guy that's been in that situation. Going against Trey Jones, who's doing what he's done to Kobe White and all these other freshman point guards. And it's worked. Right. But it's not going to work against Cassius Winston. So what is the, it, it's almost, it takes a, a certain amount of hubris to go into something and think, I've won 11 out of 12. Right. I, I expect to beat you. Yeah. And then to get out coached and to to lose to a team that is obviously inferior as far as talent. Uh, yeah. That is, that is what it comes down to in the sense where that's why Izzo gets the praise. And that's why Coach K is the one that I think takes this on the chest because you're asking so much of Zion. You're asking so much of, and, and of for one no reason. guy. Yeah, I mean, for it, no reason. You have it's the not other like, guys. Joey Baker. What what happened there? What happened to Alex O'Connor? These people in the that's bench. That's what I mean. The rotation is so short. It's so finite, and it's it's it basically it's a one way or the highway way of playing. It's so frustrating. Duke fans can't like this. I mean, they had it's fun. It's obviously fun to have Zion Williamson and RJ to to, to, to get all these best players. 
But my God, it's so frustrating to watch. It's not like it's not like it was Zion surrounded by a bunch of Jack Whites and it was and he was doing the best he could and they just came up short. That, that's what I mean. You you keep saying like he he Zion has to do everything. He does not have to do everything. At no point does he should he ever have to do everything. And yet that's where they find him. Um, that's where Duke ended up every game. I don't know, man. I'm a. Uh, I'm really happy for Michigan State, though. Like you said, Izzo. Izzo almost seemed in disbelief when they won. Like he he he's lost to K so many times. He's lost to Roy Williams so many times. He just kind of assumed. He it was like he went into this game just hoping to have it close. dead to rights. Yeah. yeah. He you actually had a, another Izzo moment. Uh, this is the first time I will say this is a nice thing to say about Coach K. Coach K is more approved, I think, by the public right now at this game because of the Izzo stuff going around. And he oh, yeah, yeah. he was losing his mind on Xavier Tillman at the end of the game. And Cassius Winston's like. Coach, chill yeah. out. Cameras on you. Cameras well, on Coach you. K, Cameras well, on you. All to right, be fair good. though, good. Coach you're K, good. Coach K doesn't yell. He's never yelled at his guys. He's mm-hmm. not much of a. He's not much of a yeller. He's more of a, a father figure. Um, just a loving. Um, yeah, is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah, I'm your. I'm your dad in the sense I'm a mother. How about K? Uh, how about uh, I, I can't believe you didn't bring up the fact that um, Duke had gotten called for so few fouls in the second half that when it came time to foul and extend the game. Michigan State was not in the bonus. or yeah, Michigan State was they had not four in the bonus fouls. Yet. They had yeah. four fouls. Um, Can we talk about that? The, that was kind of funny. That, that, that yeah, the irony of that is yeah. unbelievable. But even that sequence at the end where RJ goes to the free throw line, he has this moment, this chance. I mean, it's sort of. I don't want to bring up Derek. I mean, it, it was a moment where Ty Jerome is the the antithesis of this, where he it works out perfectly for Virginia. This right. is how the the destiny of the situation. He misses the second one. It, it's great. RJ misses the first one. You can see, you know, the deflation a little bit in his face. Second one, okay, we're going to set it up. We're going to miss it on purpose. And the basketball gods step in. It goes in. And then we have the inbounds play. And Cassius Winston, again, this is, I know that they have to foul. I know that they have to get two more fouls. I know there's only 4.7 seconds left. Mm -hmm. Let's do the math. If I run away from these guys, game over. And RJ Barrett is already thinking about the fact that I just missed that free throw. Mm -hmm. I just accidentally made this free throw. Now he's somehow on Cassius Winston. And what does Cassius do? He takes one step left. RJ's, all right. Sprints to the right, throw it in, beat him, dribble around, game over. I mean, that is just like, that is just being smart and and being a basketball player and being aware of a situation. And that is being in a moment. I mean, understanding what the moment is. It's the difference between Big Ten and ACC basketball. I agree. Um, Freshman versus. The best team in the Mm. ACC playing the best team in the Big Ten. The Big Ten came out on top. When is Virginia uh, may play Michigan State? It's true. That, is, well, that would be that would game. be a demons game as well. Michigan State beat Virginia. Michigan State is the team that started the Virginia twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah, New York. Because uh, uh, it's been a tough road for, for for Virginia, but Michigan State was the the team that uh, yeah, they they beat them those two years, and that kind of started the Tony Bennett chokes. It can are we sure this can work? But that would be that would be incredible storyline if Virginia beats Michigan State. That's got to be how it happens. If Virginia is mm-hmm. going to win the title, they have to beat Michigan State because we know what the Big Ten is good at. Be number second two. place. Yes. Yeah, that would be that would that would be <laughs> the greatest the greatest runner ups in history. If, if this if college basketball is truly scripted, that's what's going to happen. Is is Virginia is going to beat Michigan State? That's that's how it has to go down at this point. Um, but uh, before before we get off the uh, the the uh, the the Duke Michigan State game, I did have the Big Ten stat of the day. Okay, please. Um, with with the Big Ten marching on, it comes to us courtesy of Adam Zucker of CBS. He says this. Since 1979, Michigan State is 9-2 and two in Elite Eight games, which is the best record among 23 teams who have five-plus appearances in Elite Eight games in that time span. <laughs> the, poor, the poor SID that has to look that up. I mean, that is, the, that is such an arbitrary process. 
I mean, to find the big 23 10, teams. We're getting it done. This is a Big Ten, but can you say the same about Virginia? Or can you say the same about Duke or Carolina? No, I don't know can't. because I wouldn't be. No, I mean, that no, would take so long. Big Ten's the best, dude. Deal with it. Deal with it. <laughs> Here we are. Are there uh, any final notes? I mean, there. I mean, Zion Williamson. I mean, what are the final thoughts a, on Zion? What's next? I, I don't. That's that's my. That's Zion's going to go to the NBA probably. Um, that's true. Well, let's let's do a post mortem real quick on Duke. I know we already kind of have. We shit on him a little bit, but uh, this is uh, again. I we we talk about Duke a lot. I already know people rolling their eyes. It's like oh, more Duke talk fun. But um, Duke was the team of the season. This was this is what we we kind of said it all season was like even the teams that were good. You always like stacked them up against Duke because Duke played all these teams that were are left. Um, mm-hmm. All the teams that were basically at the top, there was some sort of like, but how do they compare to Duke? And for Gonzaga, it was like, well, they beat Duke, so they're legit. That's how we know they're legit. And it's like, Virginia's legit, but they also lost to Duke twice. Or, and, and it felt like everything this season revolved around Duke. Uh, and it feels like every season, I know, for a lot of people. But this year in particular with the three recruits. Um, so my question to you, and I feel like I know what you're going to say, but uh, like, is this, a, this has to be a failure of a season for Duke, right? But not really, because at, at the same time, I wrote an article way back at the start of the season in, in November, December, where I, the thesis was basically like, it doesn't matter what's going to happen to Duke because they've already won. And now that I think about it, that's true, that they did win. That at the end of the, the season, no matter Turns who Turns out wins, at the end of the day, we're all winners. That's what you're saying. Whoever wins the national championship, don't you think like most people are going to remember this as the year of Zion and the year of Duke? I'm not saying I will. I'm saying like... Well, that's the larger question. What is, what is hurt in this situation? The Duke brand is not hurt. Coach That's K, what I mean. Coach they're, they're playing like a different hurt. game. Yes. So like it is a successful season for Duke because it's the headline game. Yes. They, they gained continue. a lot of Twitter followers. Yes. They mm-hmm. they were on Sports Center all the time. They had ESPN doing their tour and and the the documentary. Um so does it even matter that they didn't make the final four? I don't think so. I mean, like that's what the Kentucky's playing the same game, and we'll get to their game in a second, but uh not so much with this team, but like that's what Cal and Kay are doing that, where it's like they want to get guys drafted. They want to get their brand out there. Are they even trying to win anymore? <laughs> it's hard to say. The fact that, like, the I, if you pulled Bill in here right now and you told him that Duke has been to two Final Four since 04 and Kentucky has won one national championship under John Calipari, I, I, I would love to see what his reaction is. Well, he'd believe the Cal thing. He's, <laughs> He's like, like, yeah, Cal's, Cal's, yeah, Cal's, Cal's a joke. That's a classic <laughs> he Cal. He believe the Cal thing. He but, won a title. Um, but no, I just feel like, I feel like casual fans that, that just tune in for the tournament uh, they they are under the assumption that Duke and Kentucky are are head and shoulders above everyone else in college basketball every single year because they have done the, the best job of branding themselves of convincing everybody that they're the only two teams that matter and then when you actually like look at the stats it's like wait they've been to two Final Fours and I know they've won the two titles but um I don't know it feels like Duke's been to seven Final Fours in the last fifteen years it feels like Kentucky's won four national championships under. Calipari. Well, that's Not called that's called the press. You know yeah. that that is the yeah. hyperbole of the coverage that's gone on with both those programs. But I also want to say it's to me I compare it to the 2015 Kentucky team, the team that obviously lost to Decker and all those guys, Kaminsky, Wisconsin, that that whole bunch, that whole run. I compare it to them. But the thing is, the fail safe for that 2015 team is well, we were 38 no, and we made the final four. Right, right. Like those are, it's hard to argue that right, for Duke, right. the fail safe is we won the ACC tournament. And I, I mean, that may carry some cachet and some circles, you know, in Durham and other places, probably, you know, the Hamptons. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, you know what I mean? That's why that's why I would say from that standpoint, it's more of a failure than 2015 Kentucky. But also it it doesn't matter because the brand is matter. what matters. Coach K's matters image is what matters. Is keeping the machine churning. Exactly. And, and, and the machine is going to continue to churn. And that's all that matters. And um, it's, we'll tweet it out tomorrow. Zion's top 10 dunks of the season. Right. Yeah. That's and, what and, it is. Yeah. And, and everyone remembers that. Like you're you're right in the sense that what we will remember is not what 
is should be remembered. Right. But that is that is the world we live in. It's the yeah. same way that most people know Lonzo Ball instead of you know someone who's actually playing basketball. That's pretty good, right, like right. Josh Jackson. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, like that's the interesting. Uh, part. I think I think the only way I think if Virginia wins the title, that could sort of mitigate the remembrance of Duke. Um, I think Virginia winning. No disrespect to the other three teams. See, we're, and I think you're wrong about that because what will happen is if Virginia wins a title, everyone's going to remember that Duke beat them the Duke twice. Duke beat them twice and mm-hmm. Virginia never beat them. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. It is. It all, it all roads lead back to Duke. My God. Uh, we have two other games to talk about. Texas Tech fans are losing their minds because they're like, we're the best team left in this tournament. You guys haven't even talked about us really all season, which is not true. Not we true. have, first of all. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, we have not talked about their game with Gonzaga, which in any other year would have been the game of the tournament. But this was a very different year. Uh, so we're going to take a break. We'll come back, hit Texas Tech, Gonzaga, and the Auburn-Kentucky game. Poor cow. All right, quick break to talk about CBS Sports HQ. As you know, folks, we are in the heat of one of the greatest sporting events on the calendar. I'm not even going to say one of them. I'm going to say the greatest sporting event of all time, March Madness. And the best place to stay on top of all the NCAA tournament coverage is CBS Sports HQ. What is that, Tate? What is CBS Sports HQ? It's the free 24-hour sports network that's built just for fans like you and me. I watch it all the time. We were just watching it. We were watching Tim Doyle on there on CBS Sports HQ talking about uh, uh, the, 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 the Michigan State-Duke game, giving his thoughts on there. Uh, you do not get any of the hot takes, the fake debates, and politics like other sports network. Just the stuff that matters. Nonstop highlights, news, and analysis, no matter when you tune in. And if you enjoy playing fantasy or placing some bets, their experts are always dishing out picks to help you win. So check out CBS Sports HQ. It's always on and always free. No need to pay a subscription fee or have an expensive cable package. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Fire TV, Roku, or Apple TV to start watching today. Back to the other two games of the Elite Eight. All right, Tate, we're back. Let's talk about Texas Tech and Zaga. Uh, this was the first game that was played at the Elite Eight. It was it was Saturday, the first game on Saturday. Um, feels like a lifetime ago, as all these games in this tournament do, mm-hmm. where, especially when they're stacked like one great game after another. Uh, we had to go back and kind of like refresh our memories as to what happened. All I remember was the Josh Perkins Tech, honestly. like As I was watching the game, I remember thinking like, this is one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. And then by the time Sunday night rolled around, I was like, what happened in that game again? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. the Josh Perkins. Um, basically a one-possession game the entire game. Uh, this was back and forth as close of a game as as you could possibly ask for up until the end. Yeah, the first half it was nine lead changes back yeah. and forth. It just kept it felt like every single time Mooney Mooney was great in the first half. I think he had like 11 points in the first half was kind of getting everything going for that Texas Tech team and it was that same situation where every time Texas Tech makes a run it get hit back in the mouth by Brandon Clark doing something mm-hmm. amazing and athletic and It felt like Rui Hachimura was trying to score 50 points in yes. this game from the start, from the the very beginning he was like I've heard a lot about this defense. Um but I'm gonna go at him in the post. Yeah. Yes. I'm gonna, this is this is my breakout game. This is my over the shoulder turnaround, little hook shot every single time. Yeah, it, it felt like he was gonna have like a Derek Williams moment with with Arizona when when he destroyed Duke mm-hmm. and then got drafted. Like that was what's gonna have. He's like everyone's watching. I, they know I'm going up against the top defense in college basketball. Uh, my draft stock is questionable. It was Say hello high, to the new top five. It was pick. low. Like, yes. does anybody know where mm-hmm. I'm gonna actually go drafted? I'm gonna put an end to all of that. I'm gonna go nuts on on Texas Tech, and he did play well. He had he had a really good game. Brandon Clark, what did he finish with, like six turnovers? That was tough. Didn't like to see that. But uh, Texas Tech's defense, man, I don't know what else we can say about it. They're they're incredible. They've been they, – they have one of the best – I think someone said they're now um, number one in Ken Palm of all time. Their def- the, the entire history of Ken Palm that's been tracking defense. I think this is the number one defense ever. That's a since toughie. Like, since like, yeah, that's, that's something. 
And and on top of that, like we I, I keep saying, most of the time when you hear that about defenses, there's always a letdown offensively. And mm-hmm. and at times that has been the case with Texas Tech. When you, you can catch them on a random game in January or February, it's like, my God, this offense is atrocious. That has not been the case for a very long time, which is why Gonzaga did not play poorly in this game. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga, I thought, was the best team in the country for most of the season. Um even coming in the tournament, I think like Gonzaga became the the odds on favorite to win, right? Isn't that uh, isn't that you, you do the gambling podcast? Didn't didn't like as Duke was struggling in these games, Gonzaga become the favorite to win? Yeah, over time, I think they ended up yeah. being the favorite. Yeah, um, and it, they didn't lose this game because they choked. They didn't lose this game because they didn't play well. They didn't lose this game because someone got hurt and or anything like that. Gonzaga was the maybe the best team in the country. They played like a B plus A minus game, and Texas Tech is just that damn good. And do it That's, by the numbers. Yeah. I mean, going into this game, Gonzaga, number one in the country in scoring, 88 points per game. And every single analyst going into it is like, well, they have to keep them keep this game in the 60s. You know what I mean? The, right. the classic race is 69. This is where we're going to be at. And it felt like Mark Few said at halftime as they were going in, he was getting interviewed. He said, you know, we talk about the defense with this team. I think we're running great offense. We're getting good shots. But you got to say something about their offense because it's sort of the same thing. You expect a team that is designed, it's sort of like a West Virginia feel to it, where a team that is designed around this defense is not going to have the horses on offense. Cincinnati, yeah, uh, to get, Florida yeah. State at times. Exactly. Yeah. Like It's going to be ugly on the other side. But instead... Mooney's a smooth guy. I mean, Culver is... Uh, Moretti's a smooth guy. Moretti. I mean, Moretti's family flew in. He hasn't seen him in a year. And yeah. they show that pregame. They're like, Moretti's family's here. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah. oh, that's tough. Because sometimes, you, you know, you know how it is. Play a little hero ball. Right. Because you're trying to show off and say, you know, welcome right. mom and dad. This is what I do in Texas. You know, far, I actually don't far know how, from my, home. My parents never actually came to any of my games. So I actually... Womp, womp. <laughs> I actually have no idea. <laughs> that, but, but continue anyway. But Moretti hits those big threes. I mean, he had the, the moments where he had the turnovers. And the, but but whatever it was, it was like big shot by Moretti. Uh-huh. Every single time that Gonzaga was like, okay, we got, our, we got our feet underneath us a little bit here. We're fine. It's going back and forth. But we're, at the end of the day, we're the better team. Texas Tech made these big plays, and it wasn't yeah. a situation where it's Carson Edwards and Culver's being that guy, where Culver's like, I have yeah. to, I'm the one that has to take the shot. Instead, That's the other Texas Tech is running offense. I mean, That's they, the other they, misconception like, with Tech is that, uh, and, and this this has been true as well. So like, if you have this misconception, it's not necessarily your fault because you probably just caught the wrong Texas Tech games throughout the season. But the misconception is that, okay, so their offense isn't horrendous, but it's still just Jarrett Culver carrying them. It's still... Going back to Cincinnati because I, I love shitting on how much I hate McCronin's system. Um, like Jarrett Culver is Sean Kilpatrick on those Cincinnati teams. We're like he's the one. Okay, so he's the one guy though. I'll, I'll give you that they have one guy who can score, but that's it. That is not the case with Texas Tech. Uh, Mooney and Moretti are great. That they're, they're they're kind of the difference in why Texas Tech has has become so good is that you can count on at least one of those guys to bring it offensively. Here's the analogy. I threw I threw this out as we were watching it. Basically when when Tariq Owens had the block and then uh he stepped on the he stepped out of bounds but they didn't call it um and saved it at the end of the game. Who did he block? Was it Perkins? I think it was Perkins, yeah. Maybe it was or Norvell? I don't remember. Uh but he has the block in the corner um and he stepped on the line. There we go. All these, all these lines are just they just keep coming up. And I um, and I said at the time, I mean, if he had made that save, like when he goes up and makes the block and he catches it, and they, at the time they called it like it was a real play. I mean, right. that would have been one of the greatest blocks of all time. Of all time I mean, yeah. it would be up there with the Zion Virginia block, if even he though he didn't go as far. Yeah. But I mean, to have the presence of mind yeah. to come down and land and throw the ball back. I mean, uh, as I saw that play unfolding, I thought to myself, "That is Hakeem Warwick." Mm-hmm. And then I thought, "Is Jarrett Culver at Carmelo Anthony?" And then is Moon is Matt Mooney? Jerry McNamara, or is Moretti Jerry McNamara? It doesn't matter. But then I, I I just couldn't get that out of my head. I was like, is this 03 Syracuse? 
with Hakeem Warwick and Carmelo Anthony. That, that's that's as close as I got to the analogy. I have to flesh this out more. But um, Tariq Owens just reminds me of Hakeem Warwick and then Jarrett Culver, I guess it were. But then, and then Mooney has the buzz cut. He's kind of got the McNamara look a little bit, the McNamara vibe, so... I don't know. I'm Moretti has the like, he has those big threes in, in that game. I think it was three minutes left. You get it like sixty three to fifty nine, and then you hit the other one with about one forty something like that in the game. It was sixty six sixty. Those are moments like at Syracuse. Mm. Every time that it would have to happen, either Mello would go ISO and get a bucket for you, or you'd have a McNamara big three like that. Moretti sort of fell into that same vein. Uh, I want to point this out: Red Raiders three and zero against Gonzaga in the tournament. Beat them in two thousand five. Beat them in two thousand seven. Beat them in twenty nineteen. Congratulations! Really? Yes, is that true? Yeah, they were undefeated going into the game. They were a little, yeah. little mental advantage, little little brother syndrome. There, little Ryan Klein, Kyle, Kyle guy, and this, you know, wow, yeah, um, works out. I just now noticed this, by the way. So Texas Tech won the Big Twelve, uh, Michigan State won the Big Ten, Virginia won the ACC, and Auburn won the SEC tournament. Which um, they didn't win the the regular season SEC, but they did win the SEC tournament. And uh, I, I I'm bringing that up just to say that like. It, it's cool that we have four teams from power conferences that all are champions. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're, not that not that it's not fun when there's a Cinderella or there's not it's not fun when some like team that finished fourth in their conference makes a run or whatever. Um, but all these teams are deserving to be here. They've been great all year in their own ways, um, and and that's pretty cool. So I don't I don't know why I thought of that right now, but I just wanted to say that until I forgot. <laughs> I, <guess> I, forgot. <laughs> I, I just want to say Chris Beard said what I thought Barkley was going to say, which is you know. Auburn's going to the Final Four for the first time, but instead, Chris, I mean, Texas Tech is going to the Final Four, and then everyone's kind of like, yeah, of course. And then he said, no, I want to say that again. Texas Tech, for the people in the back, Texas yeah. Tech, I coach them, they're going to the Final Four. And then, uh, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> what an act. Because seriously, I mean, that, that is unbelievable. I mean, in, in the context of, I think that's the beauty of this Final Four, where you, you said there's no Cinderella. But the Cinderellas are fun to a certain extent. Like, Loyal is fun, but then you watch them play, and it's like, I got to watch Loyola play in the Final Four. Yeah. Auburn is good. Auburn and they're is going, good. And it's different. They're going to win. Texas Tech is really good, and they're yeah. different. They're going to go to the Final Four. I mean, that's I think that's Virginia, the first Final Four we've seen with Tony Bennett. Every it, It's it's good teams, but it's different teams, and that's good for they college all basketball. Have, all four of these teams have very, very obvious identities that can be just boiled down to one bullet point. Michigan State, tough as shit. Uh, Virginia, Pack line defense. Uh, Auburn, shoot a ton of threes. Texas Tech, best defense maybe in, in modern college basketball. Boom. That's it. That's that's all you really need to know. But there's more to them than that, obviously. But um, It's also interesting to me that we, we talk about, you know, offense and basketball and all this sort of stuff, especially at the next level. But it's been all defense, as it usually is yeah. in the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's stupid and, you know, cliche as it is. Defense wins championships. Michigan State was the better defensive team today. Texas Tech, sort of the same thing. It's whoever's the more physical team, the team that is kind of taking it to whoever they're playing. I mean, it's a little bit of a confidence game going in. But Texas Tech, for as much as you would you would expect them to have a little bit of a complex to say, we're not supposed to go to the Final Four, the confidence and the way that they played down the stretch, it wasn't, I'm holding the ball and I hope the clock runs exactly. out. Exactly. It was, oh, I got to open three. I'm, I'm taking it. it. Yeah. Yes. That's Which what is, I mean. They're, they're, that's inspiring. They're scary, man. They, they could legit win this thing. Mm-hmm. They could. They were picked what seventh in the Big Twelve coming into the season. Chris Beard. Uh, that that's that that's the big thirty question. wins for the yeah. Red Raiders. Has not said no to UCLA either. I'm still <laughs> calling my shot. He's 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 going to be UCLA's coach. Um, I don't uh I don't really have any information on this other than the Under Armour connection and the fact that Chris Beard's like the hottest coach in college basketball right now. 
uh, and who gets I, I a bigger imagine... offer from Texas? Like we'll say Texas is going to give the most oh, money see, to a college basketball coach. Hmm. Who gets a bigger bigger offer if you're Texas and you say, "I want the best right now"? Is it Tony Bennett? Hmm. Is it Chris Beard? It's not Bruce Pearl. Is it Coach? Ke- I mean, who is the guy? Because I, I think Chris Beard is probably. I think across the board, it, he has the Bob Knight toughness yeah. that people like, you know, as far as just the general fan. Yeah. So he can Speaking sell. Of, he sells to a, a broad audience as far as the way he coaches, the way he handles his players. It's all about respect, family, all that sort of stuff. And then the locker room afterwards, they play that, I'm going to take my, whatever that song is. <laughs> you don't know that song? I mean, I know it, but I don't, I don't, I don't be listening to that. You know, I don't know the song. That's what I mean. I, I, I thought for sure you would know it. I, I mean, like, I watched the video and I was like, that looks sweet. Uh, it's obviously something the kids are into. I got the horses it. in the back. That's all it takes. <laughs> and then they were going crazy though. I mean, yeah. it, it, the the most fun thing about this final four for me is the exasperation and the excitement of the guys. It doesn't seem like Duke. It almost feel like, of course, we're going to the final four. It's a little right. routine in a certain yeah. Kentucky. We routine is what we're supposed to do. Texas Tech is like, let's go. Oh, yeah, right. Virginia's doing the same thing. They're going crazy. They're popping bottles and. I don't know. That makes, I mean, the that one, makes for a fun The weekend. one team that was uh, shouldn't be that excited just in terms of their history and all that kind of stuff is Michigan State. And like like we said, like Tom Izzo was on the verge of tears uh, when he finally got over the hump against K and it was almost like stunned. He's like, this wasn't supposed to happen. We were <laughs> supposed to just keep it close. And and then Zion was supposed to make some absurd play and beat us. Um, speaking of speaking of Chris Beard and, and Bob Knight, I, I told you this off air, but I want to repeat it just for all the people listening. I will Go. say our conversations off here are, are way better, better than podcasts. Way better than yeah. This. yeah, I feel like I've already said yeah. everything that yeah, I have to, to say. Come to Sneaky Pete's. Yeah, exactly. Come to Sneaky Pete's yeah, we'll and hear t- our conversations <laughs> off here. We're we're so much smarter off there. Um, I'm better told, off the record. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I told you uh, I I watched uh, I was watching Night School the the ESPN <laughs> ESPN reality. Show. This is absurd that this happened, Kyle. You, there's no way you know about this. No, I'm looking it up now though. Uh, there's a there's a show called Night School. He's like, where, yeah, that that movie with Tiffany Haddish and yeah. Kevin Hart. I love that movie. Uh, I would um, never do that to you guys. <laughs> um, where Bob Knight had taken over the job at Texas Tech. This is after he got fired in Indiana uh, for choking a student. Um, or no, he choked a he choked a basketball player. He, he grabbed a student's arm. Anyway, um, he gets fired. He goes to Texas Tech, and ESPN does this reality show where guys are trying out to be walk ons for Texas Tech. And it's the funniest shit ever. Like the very first episode, Knight's coming. He has all the guys sitting down like it's camp. And that's like the most emasculating thing ever. It's like all these guys are college age kids trying to play college basketball. And they're sitting there like crisscross applesauce. applesauce. Yes. <laughs> and they're sitting there and uh, just waiting for the teacher to come out. And it's it's the funniest thing because uh, Knight, Knight comes out. And the very first thing he says is like, you know, it, it, w- it would serve a lot of you well to, to take your hats off or turn them forward. He, but he says in like that condescending night way where you see the, the guys just like slowly like, oh, sorry, sir, sorry, and, and take the hat off. And um, that's my so dad's defeated. number one rule. Like yeah. when I was playing, I was a catcher and I have my hat backwards, like, you know, warming up for the game. Hey, yeah. turn that head around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I, I was, some, that triggers people. People get upset yeah, about backwards hat. That's oh, like, yeah. that's the ultimate sign of disrespect. Uh, it's, it's one level below flicking someone oh, off yeah. to some people. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's serious. You're, the direction of your life is the direction your bill is pointing. Mm-hmm. Got that one a lot when I was uh, when I was wearing backwards hats back in the day. Yeah, um, but the reason I bring that up, I was watching. I watched a few of these episodes. I have no idea why. This is just what happens sometimes with me. I'm on the internet. It'd be great if Bob Knight said you're dismissed after you yeah. got done with that. Yeah, uh, Chris Beard was an assistant as this was going on, and there's a lot of lot of really fun Chris Beard moments of of. Like that, none that I can really relay. It's nothing like no, no isolated incident. It's just the fact that you're seeing like the hottest coach in college basketball 
who's an assistant for Bob Knight on a fucking reality show on ESPN. And this was what, 15 years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, just all of that thrown together to watch, to go back and watch it is pretty fun. Do they have like confessionals where Chris Beard's sitting in a room and he's like, I like the way Walker was playing today, but uh, you know, Coach Knight's not a fan when, you know, he came in with the backwards hat. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of do. I mean, they do Come talk here, about the sissy. players. Yeah. Come here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, Coach Knight. <laughs> Chris <laughs> Chris is writing down notes. He's like, all right, yeah, teach him the defense. Yeah. Don't choke him. <laughs> These are the, it these is funny the, how they talk about, like when you talk about Chris Beard being a night disciple, um, just how much you're willing to say he's a night disciple. You're like, he's a night disciple, but in the good way. Mm-hmm. Like he he knows how to win, but like the other stuff, not so much. It's, it's funny to watch people talk about. Um, he knows how to stop at the finger wag. Yeah, exactly. The Tom Izzo finger wag is, is where he draws the line. Uh, anyway, Texas Tech, uh, we we... I'll speak for Tate. We are very impressed with what we're seeing from Texas Tech. This is not fluky in any way, shape, or form. Like I said, Gonzaga played very well, I thought, in this game. Not perfect, um, but obviously not perfect. They were, what, they had 16 turnovers. Mm -hmm. Brandon Clark was getting ripped every time he put the ball on the floor. But um, Would you be upset if you were Mark Few or if you were someone else on that team and, you know, Perkins obviously reaches over the line, gets a technical, and that pretty much, it's a two-point game at that time. He swipes his arm. I mean, it... He could say it was intentional or whatever it may be, but it ends up costing him the game, which is unfortunate. And again, it comes back to what you were talking about, foot on the line, these line mm-hmm. situations. The lines. Just get rid of the <laughs> lines. What are we doing? Get rid of oh, the, the lines. lines, There's lines, so, lines. <laughs> so much controversy with these lines. Just get rid of them. Do we need them? Um, I asked you this about Duke. I'll ask you it about Gonzaga because I think this is an interesting discussion we could have for a couple minutes. Uh, what does this season mean for Gonzaga in the sense that they want... Basically, for me, from my perspective, Gonzaga is sort of in national championship or bust mentality. Um, that's the only thing left for them to do. They don't need a 407th WCC title. You know, like they have a, they, they've run out of room in their trophy cases for WCC titles. They don't need any more of those. Really, all they're working towards two years ago, three years ago was, uh, two years ago, um, was the Final Four. They get over that hump. They make it to the title game. They're so close against Carolina. Ball bounces a different way a couple times. They probably win the national championship. Probably. Um, some would say the, the whistle blows a, a different way a couple times. They're probably winning the national championship. So I feel like as a program, uh, obviously each team is different. Like Rui Hachimura doesn't care that they didn't win the title that year. Like he's trying to do his own thing and and whatever. Um, so he's probably happy to win the WCC, whatever. But as a program, it feels like Gonzaga has gotten to national title or bust mentality. And I think to lose in the Elite Eight has to be disappointing. But at the same time, like you're the best team all season. You've kind of proven like no one really doubts Gonzaga anymore like they used to where they were the chokers in the tournament kind of like they were the Cinderella everyone loved them then they started choking like when the Morrison crying thing was going on and then they kind of had that Virginia run where it was like I'm not I'm never picking for Gonzaga they've gotten over all of that so what le- what else is there to do for Gonzaga as a program other than win a national title and if they don't win a national title I I'm I'm left like especially this might have been the best team they've ever had mm-hmm. um so my 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 instinct is to say that this is has to be disappointing and failure is probably too strong of a word. But um, how do you, how do you see this? I think that the 2017 team was more of the the right every single piece on that team sort of fit where you had the the guard and Williams Goss who could Perkins is a B version of Williams Goss in the sense that yeah. I, I thought I think the 2017 was better. But also they weren't like Zach Collins wasn't playing the Karnowski minutes, so the minutes weren't it, it wasn't right. it wasn't set up the right way in that sense. And then this team. 
I mean, as, as stupid as it is, I mean, this is a terrible, this is a bad matchup. I mean, Texas Tech is a, such a good team that, I mean, I think it was three elite It's a bad eights. matchup that they had to play a good team. And they <laughs> I mean. <laughs> that sucks. And they played poor. I mean, they didn't play their That's best a, game. Yeah. I mean, Clark was, uh, you talk about the turnovers. I mean, he had a couple of just boneheaded moments in this game. And then even the Perkins thing. I mean, that's such a. You don't win championships making stupid plays. I mean, that's what yeah, it comes did, down to. They did I mean, have bone. That's what I mean. I, I thought. I thought Gonzaga, when I, I said Gonzaga played well, like I don't mean they were perfect. Obviously, they they did have a lot of boneheaded. They could have fixed stuff. I just mean like I don't think Texas Tech won this game because Gonzaga choked. I don't think Texas Tech won because Gonzaga. You, you know, the, I, I don't think the story from this game is that Gonzaga didn't do X Y Z. I think it's that Texas Tech is good as shit. For me. You, you can disagree. That's okay. We can do that on this program. I was going to say, basically, I would look at it in the same way that Duke is, the way that they handle the situation where we expect that we're going to be able to come back in this game. We are good enough to do that. We have the talent to do that. And if you've been playing the WCC, yeah, we're down to St. Mary's, but we can get back in this game because look at look at who we are. Look at right. who we have. And then in this game, you play Texas Tech. They make you pay when you don't score. When, you, when it's a one-possession game and you come down and you have an empty possession and you don't run a good set and you dribble it off your knee or you throw it away— they're coming down there hitting a three. You know, yeah. I mean, it, that's pretty much what it was. And Gonzaga, it was a compounding situation where there there was no way to come back. And it felt like they thought that it was just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And again, like Mark Few and this team, the reason I think it's where Gonzaga is a program, that's a good place to be, national championship or bust. Yeah. They're past the Virginia level. We got to the final four. We did that. Virginia just checked that box. Then after this year, depending on what happens, if they don't win the title, now they're in the Gonzaga territory. Right. Like we're, we're trying to win a title. We're trying to build a team to win a title. I don't think Mark Few, I don't think this is as much of a deflating loss for Mark Few as it is for Coach K and Duke. Mm. I think Duke was more all in Gonzaga for this year. Gonzaga losing to Texas Tech is deflating for Duke? No, no. Oh, oh you're, okay, okay. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I got confused there for a second. Well, it could be. It could be. Uh, but Mark Few in general, I mean, they're going to be fine. They're, they're the class of the West Coast. Yeah. And it, they will be back. I mean, Hatchamura was great. But, oh yeah, you, Pepperdine. They're coming back. For now. Um, Romar. All right, let's talk about the last game. We got we to gotta wrap this thing up. Uh and it's the curse it's, of it's the wild, Bruce Pearl. It's wild that a game in which Kentucky loses and it goes to overtime in the Elite Eight is the last game we're talking about. Like that, that this was not the game that immediately came to mind when it came time to talk about all that happened in the Elite Eight. That's just how great this Elite Eight was. That one of these games had to be last. Uh, we're, we're, we decided that Auburn and Kentucky would be last just because that's kind of how it shook out. But um, where do we start with this? This was a two man effort for Auburn. 50 combined points from Bryce Brown and Jared Harper. Uh, they they were unstoppable. Kentucky's guards were not good in this game. Tyler Hero was not a bucket, unfortunately. Tyler Hero was so not a bucket that like by the end of the game, it felt like he was very timid and passive and did not almost didn't want to shoot, which was wild to me. I'm not saying he didn't want to shoot. I just like when he passed up some shots at like Tyler Hero from uh who who they I forget who they even play Houston. That's right. Uh. Tyler Hero from the Houston game would have pulled, and then he would he get these spots. He'd make his move. He'd do like a step back. He's like, Nah, I'm not going to shoot that one. And then he pass it up. And or was, like, was the he- it was the hesitation on the first pass where yeah, he yeah. catches the ball, Hagen's drives, kicks it out, and then instead of pulling it right, then he takes a dribble, takes a second, little hesitation, the hero hesitation, but not in a good way. Uh, Cal said after the game, uh, which you just said, they had two guys get 50 points. Think mm-hmm. about that. You know, I mean, it's true. They're think, unstoppable. Think about that. I mean, and you have quickly, you have Hagen's, you have guys that can match up on the perimeter. Harper. You know, he's a Johnny Flynn type. He's a small kid that has the speed to get by you, obviously, but you're also the size to guard him. But he was going crazy on Hagens by getting beat down the floor every single time. And this is what I was talking about with Carolina. They did the same thing to Kentucky that they did to Carolina, which is, all right, you want to play play hardball, you want to play fastball, 
we that's what we want to do and we're going to do it better than you and mm-hmm. we're going to play tougher than you and yes this is the game that you want to play quote unquote but guess what we're going to do it better i mean that's that's as simple as it was and for auburn as a program to beat kansas to beat north carolina and then to beat kentucky to go to their first final four i mean that is you know that, that's a storybook run for a program for Auburn basketball. I mean, mm-hmm. think about 84. Like one of the, one of my roommates from college, his dad, Bill Fly, played on the Richmond team that beat Barkley. The 84 team was supposed to make this big run. Auburn was so good. And they get upset by a guy by the name of Bill Fly. You know what I mean? That's, that's what they've had this history of. We could do this, but we don't do it. And they get over the hump. That's great for a program. Great for Barkley. Um, Bruce Pearl. It is what it is. You know, <laughs> it is what it, he, also, he said, he said after also the game, Pearl. He, said, I, he said, I'm a mutt. That's what he said after the game. They were like, uh, they talked about all the recruits that they had coming in. They were, you know, Kansas, Carolina, they didn't recruit these guys. They didn't recruit, recruit Harper or Brown or whatever it may be. He was like, I'm a mutt too. Dude, you know? I, I, I've said my piece on Bruce Pearl. We don't need to go down that road again. Uh, this was a great Bruce Pearl game. Um, first of all, Bruce Pearl's a great coach. I should have I should have made that point when yes. I, was, I was going in on his character and how... Um, yeah, he, he probably shouldn't be coaching college basketball anymore. But uh, he is a great coach. We we had a great Bruce Pearl game today from the, the reactions. I mean, he, he coached a good game, whatever. Who cares about that? The the man sweating his balls off, like making the face, the getting so frustrated. The one where he was shaking his yeah, head. The do- looking like uh, a bulldog, yeah. It was fantastic. Um, we also should mention Auburn should have lost in the first round, for being honest, to Mexico State. Not that, I'm not disparaging Auburn. Not saying they don't belong. Um, I'm just reminding, like, how fickle the NCAA tournament is. Uh, we kind of made this point last year with Michigan that if if Jordan Poole doesn't make the miraculous shot to beat Houston, is Michigan like Michigan? The, the outlook on Michigan is completely different. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 wild how those little those little moments just change everything. And, well, it's 2015 Virginia. They lose to Michigan State in the second round. Right. I mean that's the game. It's the seven two game. So if things just don't bounce the right way, then it's a complete failure. It's so wild how uh, I'm not saying I'm smarter than everyone, and I don't do this because I I it, I fall victim to this too. It's just it's 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 just re- these reminders of how much weight you put in just seconds of the NCAA tournament that the ball bounced this way. So that means that this coach is a genius and this coach is a fucking idiot and all that kind of stuff. Um, but Auburn had that moment against New Mexico State that if Auburn, like like Bruce Pearl right now, everyone is kissing his ass, glowing reviews. Bruce, how can you not love this guy? Mm-hmm. He loves his players so much. Like who would not, who, how can you not love Bruce Pearl? A barbecue? What's up? It's a barbecue. Come on. What's a, that's a big, that was, that was years ago. How do you not love Bruce Pearl? Um, no one would be saying anything if they lost to New Mexico State like they should have. And again, I'm not saying they don't belong. It's just like that stuff fascinates me that that Bruce Pearl's like entire perception has been changed because A.J. Harris didn't want to shoot the layup and he kicked it out for three and then the guy missed one of the free throws. And that's, that's what funny. it comes down that's to. That's what it comes down and, to. And that's, that's the tournament, yeah. And I, I want to take it away from Bruce Pearl because I think it's uh, it's about Shumo Kiki. I think it's yeah. about Harper. I think it's about Brown. It's all right. these guys on this team that you can tell. I mean, even Bruce Pearl said this. He's like, we're playing. This is the, These guys love each other. And I basically told them, if you buy Dude. in together, you have the talent to do this. And they've done I mean, Shuma before the game, Shuma before the game said he couldn't be in the building. Like it, it was too much for him to bear to watch them play without him being on the floor. Right. And, th- and then Dunbar comes out. He's wearing his jersey and in, in warm ups before the game. Dunbar also had that huge block where he did the stare down. Yeah. Which was nice. I mean, that could have been a technical. I like that they weren't calling any texts on these guys. They, they were, were not calling texts. There's a were, lot of blocks. This was an SEC and, ref yeah. game. They were like, all right, let these guys, you know, mm-hmm. talk that shit, um, which was nice. Good to see. But Chuma comes out in the wheelchair. I mean, and it's the, it feels like a, almost like a Kevin Ware. We're, we're so, because he, he well, this is te- my question. But the team didn't know. They didn't know that he was going to come. I mean, they were, inspired by that and this is the debate that's going to tear this country apart is okiki kevin Ware or sister gene 
Which which does he fall? He's Kevin which Ware. Which hero is he? Barkley's sister, Jean. Okay. That's where I'm I saw at. your tweet. Yeah, that was that's, a good that's tweet. what it is. That was a good yeah. tweet. Do the, the, say your tweet on a podcast. That's a, that's a but, fun move that people do where they're like, I tweeted this. I wrote, a, I wrote a story on the ringer.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, Barkley picked his team to lose in the Great time to re-up my piece on, <laughs> on Barkley being Let me RT myself right now. Um, yeah, Barkley picked his team to lose in the Sweet 16. Uh, and obviously, they did not. Now they're in the Final Four. We remember last year, mm-hmm. Sister, Sister Jean did a very similar did thing and then wanted to do a revisionist history where that never happened. She was like, scrapped, scrap the bracket. Get it away from me. Uh, so, you know, here we are, Charles Barkley. So let's get him in a wheelchair. Let's roll him in. Let's let him wave to the crowd, wear a little, you know, something around. I don't know what he would wear. I guess like a an Auburn, I don't know, like a tiger tail or something like that. Something. Mm-hmm. Uh, give him the Sister Jean treatment and uh, let this man live. Let him thrive. He said he's excited. So I'm excited. Uh, Ashton Higgins did not have a good game. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to rip on Ashton Higgins. I just want to point out that um, he had seven turnovers. I, I felt like that was where Kentucky... I, at one point, I noticed freshman Ash- guards will be freshman guards. Yeah, but I thought they were sophomores now. Oh, that's right. It's confusing. they've grown up. It's been a year. Yeah, it's um, been four months. It's weird. It's confusing. I can't follow that. Uh, uh, Ashton Hagen's. The only reason I bring it up is because I, I I felt like Kentucky was in trouble when I started noticing Ashton Hagen's more than anyone else on their team. That was a problem for me. Um, Hero, as we said, kind of disappeared. Uh, PJ Washington was killing. PJ Washington was great. Um, Love that kid. He's not going to come back easy. There's no way he comes back. Who, who's Kentucky losing? Do we even know? Keldon Johnson's probably gone. Well, I think Hero's going to go. Yeah, it becomes a test the water situation, which is the entire team will announce that they're going to test the right. waters. And then this they'll is, have the combine at Kentucky. The Kentucky, Kentucky method. Thing. Yeah, Brad will and be Brad's there. there. Yes. <laughs> and it will be reported that Brad made 90 out of 100 threes. <laughs> Which would be great. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I think, I think they'll, they'll all announce. I'm so sad that they didn't make it. I, we were going to try to get Brad on the pod if um, Kentucky made it to the... That doesn't mean we were actually going to get him on, but yeah, uh, didn't didn't look good. I was going to try to get it. I was going to call in some favors and get Brad Calipari on the podcast if Kentucky made it if, to the final four. If he agreed to do it and you didn't show up wearing a mock turtleneck dressed <laughs> just as Brad Calipari, I would be disappointed like in you. Yes, I, I got the very Brad upset. haircut and everything. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a tough day for Cal, but I, honestly, I think he handled the the loss very well because again, Auburn they did they, they're playing great basketball. I mean, they're playing Auburn defense. Is, they're getting uh, in your grill. First they're of all, one in shot. One and Auburn's a fun team. Yes, Auburn is. Uh, they they are fun to watch. They're fun to root for. They have um, Harper had twelve points in overtime. Did he really? Yeah, I saw he was eleven for eleven from the line. That's incredible. And Brown was taking some dumb shots. He, he had like the Carson Edwards there for five minute stretch, where it was just like, my God, this guy. The, the one sequence where he gets fouled on the three, makes the first two free throws, misses it, steals the ball, just turns in the corner and, and turns and fires it up and hits a three. It was a five possession swing from just Brown. And that's one of those um, moments where you talk about again. It's like that that play happens, and you say to yourself, Oh, Auburn. I mean, they're they're not backing down. They're right. they're very happy to be in the situation, and it's tough Kentucky to play a team that you beat twice. To play them a third time, that is a very bad draw in that sense. And it's also one of those things, too, with Kentucky going into this game. I mean, Auburn, they know you. I mean, it's just like we know what P.J. Washington is going to do. And I I saw a lot of people, you know, Big Blue Nations, very upset that P.J. Washington, he struggled with his free throw shooting. You know, people are pointing, he's 6 of 11. Those are five points that we needed. (laughs) You know, that stuff is is ridiculous. Because P.J. was great in this game for the most part. That three he hit just to to keep them in at, at the end. I mean... That made a statement to me, but they had no guy, like you said, that wanted the shot. And Keldon ended up having to take the shot a lot of the time, and yeah. he was just getting swatted. I felt like this Kentucky team um, all season was 
I don't know. There's, I, there's I always something about him. Yeah, it, it did sort of feel like they overachieved. There's just always something about it because even when they were doing well, and I, I started to believe in them a little bit. Um, I will say, like Tyler, the, the one cool thing was Tyler Hero figured out how to play at this level. Where uh, I, I obviously people that have been listening to the podcast know how much I hated him in November, and and especially what happened in that Duke game. Um, but he figured it out. That was cool. But I just never like really loved the way their roster meshed together and played together. And even when they were winning, I was like, I'm I'm acknowledging that they're winning. I, I guess maybe I could have been wrong about them. But but they never the idea of like Kentucky's playing on TV. I have to watch this team because they're so fun to watch and they're so good. I never really had that thought. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think this is a bad season for Kentucky. If we're gonna do the post mortem for all these teams that have lost, uh, I think I think Kentucky making the elite a is a good season. And it was good because Cal yeah. at the at the end in his press conference, what did he say? He didn't say. Tough day for my kids," he said. "I love my guys. That's nice. that's that's all you can ask for, Kyle. That's, that is that is a bow on the top season. of the mountain. Yeah, yeah, that's how you get there. That's all you can ask for. That's that's more important than going to the final mm-hmm. four. I would say is having Coach Cal call you as guys. Uh, Auburn is a scary matchup for Virginia. Virginia is better than Auburn. Virginia, um, especially though Kiki being out, uh, Virginia should win. I, I I I saw the spread earlier. It was like five or something, four and a half. So Virginia should be uh, uh, considered the better team in this game. But this is, I mean, if you're a Virginia fan, you're watching Kentucky and Auburn play, and you 100% wanted Kentucky to win that game. Kentucky is like a normal basketball team. Mm-hmm. They, they run normal sets. They have normal personnel. Auburn is not. Auburn just goes balls to the wall, jacks threes. Um, that's a nightmare situation. Coming off the Carson Edwards game, to now have to play these two guards that are just, you have no idea what the hell is going to happen when they step on the floor, that they're capable of doing basically anything. Mm-hmm. That's, that's uh, I don't know. I'm not worried about Virginia. Virginia's going to win the national title. I've been saying it. I'm going to continue to say it till it happens. But uh, this is not a fun matchup for Virginia. Not a this fun is, matchup. Yeah. But I will say, uh, as a Final Four at large going into it, it's a great draw for Tom Izzo. Going against these three coaches that are in a new environment, new type of situation. First Final Four for all of them. They've never been here. Seniority will play a role in has that Tom Izzo been in the Final Four? Yeah, a couple times. Hmm. Um, what, what was the... Remember the stat? It was like all four-year players under Tom Izzo have been to one Final Four. And then like... <laughs> That, that that became the Big Ten stat of the day. I just then, read that shit. Because <laughs> then, like, because uh, it was great Goins in this game. They're like Goins, of course. You remember he was on the 2015 team. Yeah, but then they had the they had the one gap where it didn't happen, and then they changed it to just five year players. Mm-hmm. And then I don't, I don't. Did we ever get to the point where it's all wow. six year players? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we ever got to that point. Um, but yeah, Tom Izzo's back. Mister March is back. Um, let's let's very quickly talk about these games coming up. What are we looking for in this Final Four? What is, uh, I mean, we already kind of t- touched on it, but I, I just, this Michigan State, Texas Tech, it, all these games are great. That's like, a, I, I keep saying it, but it's 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 a great Final Four. It, it I know that most people wanted Duke or Kentucky in there because those are the names they know. I know Bill said, who's the best player left in the Final Four? And that's a fascinating thing. Like, who's, who's the guy that NBA players or NBA fans should care about, I guess, DeAndre Hunter or Jarrett Culver, probably. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, if, if you are watching from that vantage point, which I don't know how many people actually watch that way, but let's say that they actually do. Culver versus Hunter in the title game would be something to watch just because yeah. they are, quote-unquote, every single draft guide will say they are Kawhi Leonard 2.0. Right, right. And so if they play each other, you can see that matchup, especially on defense with both those guys. Um, but, I mean, overall, both these games are good draws. They have played Texas. To every single team that's in the Final Four right now, it doesn't feel like, a, a sigh of relief to get here. It felt like they had to overcome and, and, and do something like make a run like Virginia did or whatever mm-hmm. it may be to get here. So I think it makes for a, a fun weekend in Minneapolis. I think they're all here to win it too. Um, and, and we're not, <laughs> the people, I'm, not even, I'm not even joking. I'm not even coming to win. That, yes. I'm not even taking the, uh, uh, I'm not even joking. Well, Loyola wasn't there to win it last year. Like there's always, 
I feel like there's typically one team where you're like, all right, so like Michigan State, we keep we keep bringing up the 2015 tournament for some reason. When Michigan State was there, they knew they weren't going to win it. They had to play Duke, and then they had to play the winner of Kentucky and Wisconsin. They were like, I mean, we hope we win, but we're not going to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel like there's often one team that doesn't really belong, and Auburn would be that team with this field, but they belong. They're, you have no idea what the fuck's going to happen when you have a team that shoots that many threes and is that hot right now. So, um, literally nothing that happens in this Final Four would surprise me. It, if, if it's Auburn-Texas Tech, that would be shocking given like going into the season, no one would have predicted Auburn versus Texas Tech if Auburn beats Texas Tech for the title. But now that I'm looking at it, it's like that would not surprise me one bit if Auburn beat Texas Tech to win the national championship. If it's two Under Armour teams, Under Armour has to put a campaign out of mm. God's plan and them saying, they show all the FBI reports where there's no Under Armour mentioned and then they just That's have great. our two teams in the final. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, and at large, I will say this. Whatever team wins the national championship, it's either Michigan State wins the 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 lead, the most chalk scenario is that Michigan State wins the title for the first time since 2000. Mm-hmm. So regardless, we have history that is on the way, and that's exciting. We got Texas Tech, obviously first time here. Auburn, first time here. Virginia, first time under Bennett. Whatever, none, of, none of them have won national titles. Exactly. We've had, we have NITs at Virginia. Yep. I mean, there there is— I can't lose, dude. Yeah, I exactly. said, everybody wins. I can't lose. Because I said this year, the one thing I want is the Big Ten to win a title or to get rid of that streak, none since 2000, or a new team. Because it's been since 2006. Florida was the last time— a new champion was crowned. We're getting one of those. Wow. We're definitely getting one of those, Kyle. That's great. It's yeah. happening. We did it. We did it. Congrats to us. Um, yeah, I, it, I I can't wait to get to Minneapolis. We're going to be there. When are we flying? Wednesday? Wednesday, yes. We're going to be there Wednesday. Um, we we are still... Uh, I guess before... Do you have anything else before we go? Uh, quickly, Vanderbilt, Jerry Stackhouse, Ronald Norred, two guys that are getting talked about for that job. But other than For that, Vanderbilt? Vanderbilt, yeah. Ronald Norred? Mm-hmm. Your boy, Indiana guy. Ronald Norred coached at my high school. That's a story for another day, maybe. Um, he after Butler, he became the head coach at my high school, and it was a uh, it was a decision that was not well received by the community to have a twenty two year old, twenty three year old <laughs> coaching. It's a little too close. Coaching at a program that just won a, uh, a the largest division state championship uh, with Gordon Hayward in 08. But um, anyway, that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, um, before we go, uh, uh, one more campaign. Um, we are trying to. I, I've, I've been saying the state. I don't know if you're even aware of this. Uh, I got a phone call from we we have a mole inside of Intersport, which is this production company that's putting on the slam dunk contest, and we have been campaigning trying to become dunk judges. contest judges. Um, <coughs> I have a mole with we, we I, I already said we have a mole within the production company that's putting it on. Uh, it is happening on Thursday, and they said that they actually do have a spot open. Like they have they have like a they've been calling people trying to get them to be judges. And they have a spot open. And our mole, I'm not going to name names, um, but he or she told me that uh, there is a non-zero chance because they're making a bunch of calls trying to get people to, because they want to have, I forget how many judges they said they want to have, but they have like one spot open and a lot of people don't really want to do it. And I was like, motherfucker, we want to do this. Let us do this. Um, So I'm not really sure why I'm saying this on the podcast, but if you want to continue, if you want to continue to harass at college slam, um, it might happen. It might. Ha- we're going to be there anyway. That's the other thing. It's like we're already there. Just let mm-hmm. us. Just add an extra seat if 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 need be. I don't know. So um, I wanted to put that out there. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not asking for people to harass at College Slam. I'm just saying you're not is- asking. You're demanding. <laughs> I'm just saying that's one thing that could happen. That people could do that, and um, that is well within your rights. I think maybe not. Maybe Twitter. Uh, that you can do it. Twitter. Perspective. Twitter. You service, can do it. Yeah. Know, whatever. 
Uh, that's it. We are, we are, next time you hear our voices, we will be in Minnesota, boots on the ground, doing some journalism. We have some guests. We have a couple guests lined up already, um, but we're just going to basically walk around with microphones and uh, shove them in people's faces. We're, we should take a microphone to the this big party that we went to last year where all these coaches are just drunk off their ass, basically. Mm-hmm. Just shove microphones in people's faces and see how long it takes before we get kicked out. Shout out to Zion Williamson's stepdad for wearing an Adidas sweatshirt because that was the that was oh, the most did, yeah. that was the most Adidas coverage we got this tournament. So that's my <laughs> final thought. Uh, good luck to all the teams in the final four. I keep saying that every round. I just feel like it's it, it makes me a um, I don't know a positive guy. Dare you it's say like, good guy? Good guy. Yeah. Mm. I hope I hope you all win, but I especially hope Michigan State or Virginia win because I want the Big Ten to win and I also want to be on the float. Why, why do I keep saying there's going to be a float? There's, there's definitely gonna be, not going to be a float. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's going to be a, like Virginia wins the title. There's just going to be some float like it's like it's homecoming in the Midwest and you're building floats and um and I'm going to be on the float waving. I don't know why this that's sounds my a lot fantasy. like your sister Jean thing. <laughs> I don't know why this is a fantasy <laughs> of mine, but not uh, good for Virginia. <laughs> all right, we'll be back uh, later in the week, probably Thursday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Once we uh, once we get to Minnesota, check that out. Uh, thanks for listening. See you guys.